0: Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs.
1: For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires... Get into Dobbs. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Powered by I Promise. Now here's BK and Ferrario.
2: Clears it to the tape of Tarasenko. Stick handles in. Shoot! Score! Seconds in,
1: Vladimir Tarasenko snipes it. Back to Perron, not a play, walks it right in, shoots it, scores! Sammy Blay, high glove, 2-0 Blues. Looks, turns, shoots, save rebound, he scores! Three to nothing. St. Louis Blues score as Jake Woman pumps it to the back of the net and picks up his first career National Hockey League goal to give the Blues some added cushion.
3: With Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. We are broadcasting live from the Beer Garden at Ballpark Village for the Cardinals' home opener today. All of our coverage throughout the day today is brought to you by Budweiser and Green Envy Lawn Care. Alex, a big win for the Blues last night. They needed that one. They snapped the seven-game losing streak, and you had full faith. I will give credit where it is due. My guy, Alex Ferrario, has never once lost faith in this team, and it looked really good early on. They played unbelievable hockey for especially the first seven to eight minutes of that game. What would you think last night as your confidence in this team was finally rewarded? Well, again? you
4: know what, BK, sometimes it takes a uh, confident individual to stick with a team through thick and thin. You know, I can say that in 1819, I was not one of the individuals that said this team will be the worst in the National Hockey League. I've learned my lesson to not go against Craig Bruby and this blue staff. Look, it looked like a good game. I mean, the first period they were on, and and it wasn't just Craig Bruby. And I played the audio on a pregame show because, yes, everyone was talking about Craig Bruby saying Jordan Bennington needs swag. But then he also finished it up by saying, the guys need swag. They need confidence. They need a bite to them. They need to find a way to say we're not going down easy. And that's exactly what they did last night. Did it look pretty? Nah. No, you gave up 50 shots. Jordan Bennington stopped the most shots in a game so far this season. That's not great, but you know what did happen? Jordan Bennington showed up. And when Jordan Bennington shows up, this team can pull out victories. And I made this comp on This Week in Hockey last night, BK everyone look at the nashville predators right now nashville was basically in standings hell they were out matias eckholm was on the market looked like everyone was going to be traded away they had lost seven of their last eight games then they went on a run they went on a run of winning eight of their next 10 to put themselves back into a playoff spot that first victory where they went on that run came against the tampa bay lightning a top team in their division saying it's going to be the same, but I will say that this is a confidence booster that they need and that I think that they can take and run with. Not going to be easy. Remember what I told you yesterday. You're going to get into the playoffs. You might get in with both legs blown (laughs) off, but you're going to get in and I still believe that, especially after last night's game. Well, if they're going to do it, that was a pretty
3: good formula to get it done. They got out to an early lead, which is something that has not happened enough of late for this team. Bennington played his butt off in that game. He was outstanding. I don't know how many times we've said, hey, this team just needs Jordan Bennington to win him a game at some point, and yep. he did that for them last night. They had support from everybody in the defensive zone. They had physicality in front of their own net when it was necessary. Vince Dunn got involved he physically good, in front he? of the net. Um, you had Scandella getting involved. There was a Kyle Clifford kind of fight. Uh, There was buzzing through the neutral zone. They had the four check going. I thought that was the best Jaden Schwartz has looked in a year. Mm -hmm. Um, You had your goal scores getting going. Vladimir Tarasenko, best game by far since his return. You got secondary scoring from your blue line. Wallman with his first career goal. I mean, it's everything you could ask for. Everything we thought this Blues team was going to be, you saw it last night. And it was not a perfect game as you said they allowed 51 shots you don't want to play that way consistently but if you do what needs to happen is jordan bennington stands on his head looks confident gets that swagger back and craig berube talked about it last night after the game saying that it was great to see him playing like that again
5: anytime you you know see your goaltender with uh, that kind of a game and what he's doing You know it really loosens your team up a little bit to play and make plays and and that helps your goal scoring uh, makes you play a little bit more free so it's very important
4: a game like that to me yes it may not have been pretty giving up those shots But a game like that is is just a connector to what they've been building off of. Let's go back to the game against the Minnesota Wild, BK. They played great until that first goal goes in, and then it falls apart, and you lose 2-0. Then you go against the Colorado Avalanche. Now, I'm taking out that Vegas blowout in between, and we don't need to talk about that. Okay. You go to the Colorado games on the road. Those are games that you played a solid 60 minutes it's just as soon as one thing happens, everything falls apart. The confidence is shot. That's why Craig Bruby made the comment that we talked about yesterday of them being mentally weak. That wasn't the case last night. First of all, nothing went wrong because Bennington was there to make those stops. But like he said, the guys in front of them played with confidence. It felt like a group of guys that were basically told, like, you need to fix this, or the trade deadline is going to affect everyone because the trade deadline's looming. And they came out that way. They were flying. They played with physicality in front of their net. But that all swarms from Jordan Bennington. And this goes back to that 18-19 run. The Blues weren't getting that from their goaltenders. If a goal would go past Jake Allen, it would be, ah, oh, jeez, here we go again. Bennington steps into that Philly game, and he makes stop after stop after stop. And everyone's like, okay, he's making a save now. We can go do our thing. And they did their thing because they – Joey and I talked about it on game. The Blues forwards – basically played off to the races hockey they they the kind of cherry picked last night because yep. they figured when the defense was in their own zone as soon as that puck comes out they're going to go off and running in the first period they had three breakaways BK and that first one of course coming with a Tarasenko goal that just exuded confidence but you got to build off of it can I play the role be uh be cater real quick be Buzz Killington, you're just going to ruin my buzz on this beautiful uh, beautiful Thursday afternoon.
3: I hope everything we saw last night is sustainable. I hope everything that we saw last night is sustainable. I fear that it is not. Because we saw it once, and it was when it absolutely had to happen. There were no more excuses. You had three games remaining until the trade deadline. That looked like a team to me that knew exactly what was up against the wall. And their backs could not be further against the ropes than they were last night. And even in that game, there was still a message that was sent. Mike Hoffman was a healthy scratch. You found that out right before the game. Sammy Blay was in his spot up at the top of the lineup. I don't think Mike Kaufman's going to be here past Monday. I I just, if you're going to sit him in that game when it is your statement game, it is one of your last opportunities for a statement game. If he's not out there for that, I don't think he's going to be a part of this team if they're going to make a playoff run. So I hope they're able to sustain that. I hope Jordan Bennington is 100% back, and that's the guy we see the rest of the year. Prove me wrong. Because I fear that it is too little too late, and it is a one-off where they played inspired hockey really inspired hockey, can that get there again tomorrow night and then again on Saturday and then yeah. again on Monday? Because that's what it's going to take for this team to make the playoffs. They have a really, really difficult road ahead. And I I hope they're able to prove me wrong. I want them to prove me wrong. I want this team to make the playoffs. I hope if they get in, they're going to be playing their best hockey because that's the only way they get in. Yeah. And we'll see what happens after that. I
4: fear that last night was more of a one-off than it was something that'll
3: be sustained. So So you think it's going to be
4: tough to play against a team that picked up eight goals last night against the Colorado Avalanche? Is that going to be tough? No, come on now. They they already had the tough game against a team that was playing down one defenseman. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Look, I, I, I'm not going to be Buzz Killington here because I do think that was some inspiring hockey, and I think they finally, because Craig Berube's been saying it, that they're going to get there. They're getting there. They're getting there. It's just a matter of breaking through, and they broke through. I will say, though, that we've seen this already this season. We've seen a team that has been playing poorly and then comes out and wins a nice game because I've said it before a couple times on postgame. It was a 60-minute effort. Now they have to build off of it, and then unfortunately they're unable to could they change that it all comes down in my opinion to jordan bennington because if you get that jordan bennington i think the guys in front of him they will play the hockey that they're used to because you can see some of the frustration starting to lift shorts looked better like you said he was awesome Braden shen Braden shen broke two hockey sticks last night on the boards because he missed scoring opportunities <laughs> this guy is so close to finding the back of the net i can't be i can't tell you how close he is but it looked more like a team effort but again you have to follow that up, and it's not going to be easy. I do think they can, but they've shown us before that that they've fallen off that cliff, and I think that's going to be what Doug Armstrong's paying close attention to. I think last night, the other thing, last thing that I'll say on this, the, the thing that frustrates me most about this hockey team is that
3: last night was a reminder of what they're capable of because they can do that. They have that kind of skill, that kind of talent, They have the guys in the locker room to be able to make a run, not just to the playoffs, but in the postseason once they get in. We know that. We've seen all of these guys that are currently on the roster have immense amount of success on the ice in their careers, Mm -hmm. respectively. And yet, for whatever reason, it just hasn't been able to come together and gel as a unit. We saw it last night. We've seen it at other points throughout the season. I want to see it, though. You have, what is it now, 17 games remaining. 14 of them come against the Wild, Avalanche, or Golden Knights. You got two more before the deadline. Make Army hesitant to sell. That's what the goal should be in these next two games. You should try to do everything you can if you're one of the players to convince your general manager, your president of hockey operations, you cannot sell at the deadline because we have put things together. And if there was anything that could do that, Jordan Bennington last night and in particular Jordan Bennington after the game when he was asked this question by Darren Payne?
6: I love that word swagger and boy did you come into this game with with a lot of that were you encouraged by what happened yesterday in practice and how your coach gives you guys confidence that way yeah we're coming
4: that's what you want to hear from your goal come player. on BK that, that that's your reaction to that that's what you want to hear T-Bone play it again when you play No, that's not it.
6: I love that word swagger. And boy, did you come into this game with, with a lot of that? Were you encouraged by what happened yesterday in practice and how your coach gives you guys confidence that way? Yeah, we're coming.
4: Come on now, BK. That is the exact same Jordan Bennington that when he was asked the question, did you feel nervous out there? And he looked at him and he goes, do I look nervous? That's that Jordan Bennington. That's the swagger, man. That's the swagger. Now, I know you're Mr. I don't want to overreact over something like this. I will. <laughs> is that what it sounds like what to what you? T-Bone, is that, that's what he sounds like, right?
7: Yeah, that was pretty good, actually.
4: Yeah, I thought so. It was spot on. <laughs> you, it's not overreacting when, you, when, you, when you've backed it up. You know, like if he would have said that before the game and then didn't play the way he did, then I'd be a little different, but... He backed it up. I'm telling you, that's the Jordan Bennington that we all love to see, and I think he is going to be a key contributor once again for this team.
3: I just remember when the season got turned around when he left the ice with a lot of uh, exuberance against San Jose as well, and then it didn't get turned around. Well, it at all. did. So, for like another I- game, and then it fell off again. I hope that it works this time. I hope it's more sustainable this time around. I fear that it will not be. And again, I'm rooting for them to prove me wrong. Please, please, sure? please, please, please prove sure? me wrong. Absolutely. I would never <laughs> be more happy than if this team proves me wrong and they make the playoffs because they've got the talent, if they do make it, to be able to go on a run. Yep. I just fear that it's not going to be sustainable this time around. With Alex looks I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. It's 1117. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Coming up here in just about 15 minutes, we will be joined by Martin Coco. He is with the Cardinals front office. He's going to explain to us what a Cardinals game day is going to be like this year, and in particular here on the home opener. So we'll talk to Martin Coco coming up here in just about 15 minutes about the Cardinals home opener festivities. But coming up next... Cardinals might need a little bit of a shakeup in the middle of the lineup. We'll tell you why next on 101 ESPN.
1: This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Bases loaded 3-2 pitch. A drive. Right center.
3: That was a fun one last night. The Cardinals get the victory. They get the sweep down in Miami. They now find themselves in a pretty decent spot after the six-game road trip at 4-2 and two on the season. They are in action coming up at 3-15 today with the home opener against the Milwaukee Brewers. And that was Dylan Carlson, audio courtesy of Valley Sports Midwest. Danny Mack on the call. Dylan Carlson with a big-time grand slam. All this guy does right now, Alex, is hit ninth inning insurance home runs. I don't really understand what we're watching with Dylan Carlson. This is not the type of player that I thought he was going to be, but here we are nonetheless. He's basically taken over the role that I thought Tyler O'Neal was going to play for this team, where he's batting like, I think he's at 158 right now, and his slugging percentage is like 700. So not the way that I expected the season to start from Carlson, but a fun start nonetheless. I think we need to talk about the middle of the order right now,
4: Alex. Because okay. Dylan Carlson is still batting eighth, I feel like this is like when I get in trouble by my parents. I'm like, hey, we need to. Talk I know what it sounded like. Okay,
8: Carl-
3: Carlson is your uh, your eight hole hitter, which which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, Paul DeYoung has not had a great start to the year. He's walking at a pretty good clip. Uh, he's he's hit so walks are good now. Okay? I, I'm a big fan good. of walks, but he's batting 150. Would you guys be opposed at this point to seeing? Dylan Carlson and/or Yadier Molina batting fourth and fifth. Is that where we're heading? Would that be the kind of construction that you would like to see in the middle of the opposed lineup? Opposed right to now? the man
4: who is hitting 316 on the season, who hit, if I'm not mistaken, the fourth longest home run of the night yesterday in Major League Baseball. No, I'm not opposed to that because right now Paul DeYoung is not hitting. Well, yeah, he's walking, BK, but. Uh, he has three I, hits in on the season. So. And, and look, he Sorry. did he did a go two home run game against the Cincinnati Reds. So like that's nothing to guff at here. But I, I would be a, I would not be opposed to them shuffling up the situation right now in terms of the batting order because you know your top three your top three is doing exactly what they need to do. They are putting the team into position to score runs every time they come to the plate. The problem is four, five, six, seven, and eight. So I think they can get there. It's just a matter of shuffling things up a little bit, which Mike Shield might be doing today. I'm fine with Yachty batting cleanup right now. You have to be. (laughs) The dude is incredible right now. I can't believe I'm
3: saying that, but through six games, he is second on the team in RBI. He is second on the team in batting average. He is second on the team in on-base percentage, and his OPS at 890 on the year, crazy, (laughs) is the third best on the roster so far. And, oh, by the way, he's the first Cardinal with an RBI in five, five of his first six games of the season since... David Freeze back in 2012. That's NLCS MVP to you. He's a productive hitter at the plate right now, yeah. and so if you've got to get, if you've got to move somebody up, if you're not going to do it with Carlson, which is fine, he hasn't been great in every plate appearance, ninth inning excluded. I think that my choice right now to be your cleanup hitter would be Yadier Molina. As crazy as that sounds, and as insane as it would be to do that at this day and age he would be my guy at this point in the season. Yeah, I think Until I would. Until somebody else proves otherwise.
4: Because I would move Paul DeYoung down into the five spot. Maybe take a little bit of pressure off of him sure. because you don't know and again, you don't know what's going on in these guys' heads. Maybe Paul DeYoung's dealing with some pressure of knowing that Goldschmidt, Arenado, Tommy Edman are the, the premier hitters and they're getting on base and he needs to produce. But Yadier Molina doesn't deal with that pressure. Right? Like Yadier Molina doesn't care if he's hitting in the four hole, the six hole, the eight hole. He's going to produce for you. So yeah, I would move Yachty into the cleanup spot I think I would look at maybe Paul DeYoung hitting in the five spot and I would move Carlson up right now yep. and as much as I said earlier this week that don't touch the lineup EK stop trying to mess with it maybe you can get a little more production from Dylan Carlson in a different spot than they're right it's a matter of getting guys going because right now DeYoung O'Neill, and Carlson they're hitting but they're not hitting enough. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text
3: line from the 618. Guys, you've won four of the last six. Leave the lineup alone. It's a little early to be changing a bunch of stuff right now. I hear you. I get it. I just personally think that they can construct it a little better. I, I... I would move, as you said, Young down to fifth. I would like to see Yachty maybe move up. I'd like to see Carlson at worst at sixth. And then for seventh and eighth, you could switch that around as you please. Those should be the guys that are kind of interchangeable pieces right now. But those would be the biggest things that I would make as changes to this uh, lineup, as is currently construction. Yeah. Hey, Alex and I are broadcasting live from the Beer Garden at Ballpark Village for the Cardinals' home opener today. All of our coverage throughout the day on 101 ESPN is brought to you by Budweiser and Green Envy Lawn Care. It's a great day out here at Ballpark Village. It's going to be a great day later on today at Busch Stadium. And the Director of Marketing and Brand Execution, Martin Coco, with the Cardinals, going to join us next to talk about what the game day experience will be like for anybody coming down to Busch Stadium. Martin Coco next on 101 ESPN. This
1: is the BK and Ferrario podcast.
3: Now here's BK and Ferrario. With Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Hey, it's a great day for St. Louis. It's basically a local holiday, and we are broadcasting live from the Beer Garden at Ballpark Village for the Cardinals' home opener. All of our coverage today is brought to you by Budweiser and Green Envy Lawn Care. And right now, we're very happy to be joined by the Director of Marketing and Brand Execution for the Cardinals. He is Martin Coco joining us out here. Martin, first of all, thanks so much for hopping on with us What's today been like for you so far? Well,
9: happy opening day, guys. Glad to be here. It's uh, man, amazing just walking around outside the ballpark and seeing people and uh, the energy. It's just so great to have it back.
4: You know, Martin, I'm curious because last year was such a strange year for everyone, but more for, for you guys who are working in, in Bush Stadium and are used to having the hustle and bustle of opening day in downtown St. Louis. What was that like last year? compared to walking in the building this year
9: Uh, 180 degrees difference I mean (laughs) just you know last year we were just so happy to have the game on the field of course because there was a question at some point as to whether that could even happen yeah Uh, so that was certainly we were happy to have that and uh, we tried to make the best of it from a from a fan interaction standpoint um, but there's nothing that compares to actual fans we had cardboard fans last year (laughs) yes but real fans are much better, trust me. You so. were in charge of the cardboard fans too, correct? We, My team was uh, <laughs> in charge of the cardboard fans, which was uh, making the best of a tough situation. <laughs> uh, it was fun to, to have something to engage fans with, but we like real fans better. Amen.
3: And we've already got some fans that we're seeing kind of filtering through here at Ballpark Village. I'm sure you guys have seen them walking around the park as well. What... What is the buzz like now compared to what it was all of last year, of course? But what what does it feel like for you to be able to see it, it really starting up again with the home opener today?
9: Uh, I would say, you know, we're all in the building uh, wearing our masks. Uh, and and as I came over wearing my mask, but I can tell, I don't know if people can tell, but I just have a constant smile. Yep. It's hidden by the mask, <laughs> but uh, that's the same way uh, walking around with the staff and Uh, seeing a bunch of folks that honestly we haven't seen in a while because our staff a lot of our staff has been remote uh, as most people have Uh, so it's just good to be back in the building and the real fun i think the real joy is going to be at 1 p.m when the gates open yeah that's really going to be the the real okay we're really back when (laughs) when we when you start seeing fans walk in so take me through this a little bit um michael because i I know or, or martin because
4: I know that this takes an entire city to to run opening day here at Bush Stadium, right? Like, it's not one group of people that get all of these festivities that take place. It's everyone. How do you go about preparing for this year? Because, again, it's not like a normal opening day in terms of the ceremonies and having people come in and get their seats and whatnot. So what goes into the preparation for your team and everyone involved?
9: Well, uh, a portion of our front office team – uh, has been in very close contact with the City of St. Louis Health Department, really to figure out what is safe and and smart and allowed, mm-hmm. um, and that was sort of the first step of the whole process. Is how do we how do we get fans in? Uh, what's the right percentage or or uh, capacity of fans so that it's it is safe and approved by the health officials? Uh, so that whole process was really led by our Stadium Operations team. Uh, Matt Gifford is our VP of Stadium Operations and and uh, took us through and led us through that whole process. Once we got all of that figured out, then the next question was, how do we run an opening day? And really, honestly, on the inside, most of us were just keeping our fingers crossed. Man, I hope we can have right. some Hall of Famers, and I hope we can have the Clydesdales run, and I hope all those things that people traditionally associate with opening day, and I'm happy to tell you that we've, we were able to get all of that approved. Uh, so it may look a little different from the capacity of Folks in the stands will be at around 14 to 15,000 fans uh, as a sellout today. But the, the pomp and circumstance will all be there. So I think yeah. that'll be whether you're in the building watching it or watching on TV or listening on the radio. It'll be uh, great to have I, it. back. I don't know about both of you, but honestly, the most excited I was was when I got that message that said the
4: Clydesdales were going yeah, to be in attendance. I'm like, okay, th- this this feels normal finally now when the Clydesdales are there. Martin Coco, the
3: Director of Marketing and Brand Execution for the Cardinals, is our guest. So, Martin, I for any fans that are going to be coming down here today, whether they are going inside of the stadium or hanging out at Ballpark Village, what can they expect for the festivities today? What what should they be expecting relative to normal? What What's today going to look like?
9: Well, I would say as close to normal as what uh, you would have seen in the past. We'll have, uh, as we mentioned before, the Clydesdales uh, sort of kicking it off. Uh, We'll have a couple of tributes. As folks know, since the last time we were all together for uh, an official opening day, we've lost a number of Mm -hmm. uh, former Cardinals, including... The two two of the franchise icons in Lou Brock and Bob Gibson, yeah. so we'll have a tribute to those guys on the video board. Uh, I'm thankful to tell you that we will have some of our Red Jacket Hall of Famers in the building, uh, so they'll be uh, saluted uh, during the the opening ceremony. And then the the motorcade, the parade of Ford trucks, with uh, the full uh, coaching staff and the full 2021 Cardinals will be introduced, all riding around in their trucks. So I think there will be. All of that's special, but I think one particular new Cardinal uh, who mans the <laughs> you know, third the base position, <laughs> I think folks will be uh, especially excited to see <laughs> number 28 riding around in the truck for the first time.
4: You know what's interesting, too, Martin, you know, the couple people that I've talked to that I know are coming down to the game this <laughs> afternoon, they said the one thing that they're excited for is being able to walk through the gates and get those those handouts again. You know, like – because that's, that's kind of what goes intact with going to Cardinals games. You get whatever the giveaway is for those nights. And I know today is the magnetic schedule, and you brought us these awesome ones. Uh, seeing the people smile on their faces when they're able to get something
9: like that Cardinals memorabilia, it just is a different feeling, isn't it? It's a lot of fun. That's a big part of our whole marketing strategy is uh, not just come to the game and enjoy yourself, have a great time, but go home with a, a fun Cardinals-related giveaway, yeah. too. And that's one thing we've changed a little bit. Typically, those giveaways are mostly on the weekends. Uh uh, But now uh, for the month of April, we're doing a giveaway for every game. So uh, the limited capacity allowed us to do that. We have enough quantity of items that we can do one for every game. And then as we move into the summer, we'll announce further plans for May and beyond with the promo schedule and the ticket sales and all of those kind of things. That's awesome. So the opening ceremony
3: is mostly going to be similar to a typical opening day, home opener here in St. Louis. What about for fans that are going into the stands, whether it be today or at some point during the month of April, What is the game day experience going to be like relative to normal? What kind of changes should they expect? Obviously, capacity is the biggest one, and you're going to be sitting in your pod area. But other than that, what kinds of things should they know before they arrive coming into Bush Stadium, whether it be today or later on this month?
9: Well, there's a number of safety measures that were a part of that uh, discussion and approval from the city of St. Louis, making sure that we keep the experience safe for all the fans who will be in the building uh, masks is a big part of it of course i think most folks are used to that as a as a part of the process now so masks mm-hmm. when you're when you're in the ballpark at any point even when you're at your ticketed seat except for when you're actively eating and drinking so of course that's an important part of the game day experience is sure. the, the food and beverage so masks are uh, will be an important part of it we've moved to all mobile ticketing so all of tic- all of our tickets are now delivered via the mlb ballpark app uh, inside the ballpark, when you purchase concessions or, or anything uh, uh, from one of our vendors, uh, it's a cashless process now. So credit cards only to sort of remove that, that exchange and that touch, touch point that would have been there in the past. And then the bag policy has changed to avoid having to have a bag be inspected. Uh, for the time being, we're doing no bags. So that includes not just a backpack or something large, but any sort of bag that you would carry in, uh, we aren't a- able to allow at this point. I think the best part about what you just said is you can still get hot dogs and still get beer here. <laughs> it's the only Are thing that matters, right? all the concessions
3: right? back? Like, is it if I'm a Cardinals BK fan coming in? BK wants the in, Chinese food. <laughs> yeah, is, is the Chinese food still here? What What's, <laughs> what's going to be changed from that perspective? Is it the full menus? Because I know, like, if I go to my favorite restaurant right now, it's a little bit of a smaller menu than I would typically expect
9: to go in a normal time. Is it going to be the same out here today? The traditional baseball and Chinese food, right? There we go, BK. It's worth Uh, going then. It it will be modified. I don't have an exact list in front of me, but um, some of the specialty-type items we won't have at the beginning. Right. Uh, But all of the traditional favorites, hot dogs, brats, nachos, cold beer, all of those things will will definitely be there. Wonderful.
3: Um, Is there anything new to the stadium this year? I know you guys are constantly upgrading the fan experience at Bush Stadium. Is there anything else that fans should expect that is different from the last time that they went back
9: in 2019? Inside the ballpark, uh, I would say that uh, there's just been a few small tweaks here and there. Really, the the visual thing that people will notice more strikingly when they come down, and we were talking about this earlier, is Ballpark Village. Yeah. Uh, So much has changed here with the completion of the Phase 2 that uh, really would have been ready for last year's. Baseball season, but we just didn't have fans down here, unfortunately. So a lot of uh, a lot of really neat stuff here. Uh, further down, uh, the uh, Budweiser Sports and Social mm-hmm. is open. There's a great new gathering area that's right outside, actually right here next to us. The the uh, the apartment tower one cardinal yeah. away is is now open. And there's uh, if you haven't seen it yet, there's an entire uh, Hall of Fame walkway that's uh, down uh, just adjacent to to Gate Four as you walk in. There's a giant, massive, oversized World Series trophy that's a great photo op. So uh, a lot of stuff outside of right outside of the ballpark will look a lot different to fans than, uh, than they might have seen the last time.
3: Last question for you. Uh, I've had a couple of fans, friends that have asked me this. With the new bag policy that you have this year, is it – are you still allowed to bring food and drink into the stadium, or is that with the bag policy, is that now something that no food, no drink from the outside coming in this year? The
9: general policy is that you can bring it in if you can carry it okay. and is and that it's not in a bag. So if you have a, uh, a bottled water or uh, – a sandwich or something like that that you bring in as long as you're carrying it and it'll fit in the pocket for example you'll be allowed to bring it in awesome
3: well martin first of all thanks so much for hopping on with us today enjoy the opening day festivities here in st louis and uh we wish you team all the best moving forward
9: thanks for the time today all right glad to be with you guys happy opening day absolutely
3: that's martin coco director of marketing and brand execution for the cardinals joining us here on a home opening day in st louis 65780 is the air comfort service tax line we'll get some questions and answers coming up next this is the bk and ferrario podcast now here's bk and ferrario 65780 is the air comfort service text line for questions and answers. Hey, we are broadcasting live out here at Ballpark Village today. And Alex, I'm just going to do a public service announcement. It's sprinkling a little bit. And frankly, it's pretty cold. And so if you're planning to come down to, whether it be Ballpark Village or the opening day festivities, you got a ticket to the home opener today, pack an extra jacket relative to what you're expecting it to be. Maybe pack a beanie as well. Some gloves might not be a bad idea, and
4: maybe an umbrella. Yeah, look, our guy Dodi over here looks like he brought his entire top <laughs> drawer of his dresser because he's putting as many shirts on as possible, and I don't blame him. You know, I drove down here today, and I, and you texted me, BK, and you're like, hey, it's cold, and I'm like, okay, my shtick today is going to be BK, man up. It's not that cold. Uh, I can't follow through with that shtick because I am freezing right now, and I'm a hockey guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm a guy who's in a building with ice nonstop. This is cold, but hey. I don't care because people are out here, people are having beers, and they are about to go over to Busch Stadium in a couple of hours and watch the Cardinals, so I'm fine with it being cold. Yeah,
3: listen, it's an awesome day, and I am not trying to bring down this mood. Yeah, you are. Be
4: cater.
9: Be cater over here. I'm not being
3: Buzz Killington right now. I'm just saying prepare for what is – Uh, less than stellar weather on what is a wonderful day here in st louis by the way martin coco huge uh, thanks to him for hopping on with us moments ago just to clarify something because i got a couple of texts on this uh from from a couple of friends who who heard that interview the bag policy it does not prevent you from being bringing in diaper bags that is something that you will be allowed to bring in um the other thing is medical necessities if you medical necessities diaper bags those are the two kinds of things that you are actually able to bring in you can bring your colostomy bag in with you if you're coming down there you go thanks for clearing that one up for us alex 65780 is the air comfort service text line for questions and answers let's start with this one from the 314 guys are you buying the cincinnati offense based on what their hot start has been so far to the season
4: Boy, it's hard not to be buying. I mean, Castellanos looks like an MVP right now, and we knew their offense was going to be good. Like, we knew they had players. It's their defense that's a major problem. I'd like to see them perform away from Cincinnati, see what that offense looks like, if they're still these home run kings like we've seen them in Cincinnati. But I'm not going to discount them. I mean, we talked to Walt Jockety, T-Bone's guy, Walt. Uh, He talked about how a lot of people aren't taking aren't giving enough credit to Cincinnati and the team that they've put together. And I think you're seeing that with Castellanos, with Naquin, with Mustakas, Suarez, and Joey Votto. they got a dangerous-looking team.
3: They do. Uh, they've scored more than 50 runs already this year. They are more than a plus 30 in terms of their run differential on the year. They've been awesome so far in terms of what they've done offensively. Now, will that sustain? Uh, fair question. I think probably not to this extent, but I, it was a – it was a stunning season last year to see them how poorly yeah. they hit during the regular season. They now, were the team. worst they've ever been. The team that is going through those struggles right now in the division is the Reds, or the Cubs. The Cubs. They can't hit anything right now, and they've got way too much talent in their lineup to go in a, situ- in a stretch like this offensively. So that's the team that is worrisome. The, uh, the Reds have looked great so far this year. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 618. Guys, if Army adds to the roster by Monday, who do you think or what position do you think we should expect him to
4: look at? Defense. Uh, I, I, as much as people say, well, we got to go get a guy who can score goals. Well, they have a guy who can score goals. And he was a healthy scratch last night again. So I don't see them going out and getting themselves an offensive player. I see them going to get size on the defense because Robert Portuzzo was a healthy scratch to my understanding yesterday. Now he could have been scratched from something that's banged him up. I'm not sure, but look at your defensive core right now. You got Krug, Falk, done Jake Wallman is going to continue to play guys because he looked good last night so that's four guys that are under six foot or right at six foot so if I'm Doug Armstrong my move is I'm going out there and finding a guy who's 6'3", 6'4", who can stand in front of that net.
3: 65780 is the air comfort service text line from the 314. Guys what would you think of Jack Flaherty last night? Struggled in the first but I thought he looked really good after that Can we talk about this for a sec? Spend a little bit more time on this. Are we having real talk right now? Jack Flaherty was awesome yesterday, and I know that the first inning kind of threw everybody off the scent of what ended up being a really impressive outing by Jack Flaherty, but I got to be honest, I'm a little confused by some of the analysis that I've seen after that game because it seemed like there was more questions about Jack that were asked after the game than like praise for the way that he pitched. He allowed a single and two walks in the first inning. He allowed two base runners total the next five innings. So, of the next 13 batters, he struck out six of them. He was the first Cardinal starter so far this year to even get into the sixth inning. He pitched six full. He allowed zero runs, so he got the shutout, and he had 11 swinging strikes in the game. Jack Flaherty was awesome yesterday, and it was a gritty performance in that he didn't have his best stuff to start things off, which happens. We've seen that from other aces on other staffs. If we see something resembling that moving forward – we're going to be thrilled with the season that Jack Flaherty has this year. I also think it's great to see he's already good to go up to 100-plus pitches. That was something that was worthwhile to me last night as well. So I was I, I was super happy with the way that Jack Flaherty pitched, but I know that there were some others that, that didn't see it through that same line.
4: Yeah, I mean, I get the first period's a little like, okay, what's going on here because of the walks. Like, I think that's the more concerning part, but sure. look, he got out of the inning. I think that's what the takeaway needs to be. Jack Flaherty found a way to get through that jam. And look, the first inning always is that inning for pitchers that need to settle in. Unless your Jacob DeGrom was just dealing every time he steps to the mound the first inning is what you need to get through and as soon as you get through that first inning you settle in and you know don't think that Jack Flaherty wasn't dealing with a little bit of stress going into that game after his first performance against Cincinnati so you know I'm not concerned at all I did find Jim Edmonds breakdown of him very interesting though which is part of the reason why maybe people were a little harder on Jack because they were listening to the broadcast and Jim who made great points by the way a clarity throwing pitches that he doesn't need to because he probably could have given them another inning but overall that's a that's a step in the right direction for a guy who has to be a, a, a Cy Young for you this year
3: yeah listen Jimmy the the main point that he was making on the broadcast was listen his four seam fastball is good enough that he can just rely on that and not worry about the curve the slider when it's not there for him just go with the four seam it, it's just funny to me because While, yes, that is true, it was also our criticism of um, Daniel Ponce de Leon is that, hey, he's throwing a bunch of four seamers up there. That's unsustainable. So we criticize him for that. But then we're like, hey,
4: Jack, just go with four seamers. (laughs) That's why I'm not a Cardinals Hall of Famer. And that's why I do pre and post for the Blues. And and as I texted both of you and T-Bone, that's why I'm stupid. (laughs) But, but, thank you, T-Bone. But Ponce is not Jack Flaherty. I'll say this. He's good, but he's not Jack
3: Flaherty. Sure. No, and and the expectations should be different for both of those guys. No doubt about it. I thought he was really good last night. and If he continues to pitch like that, Cardinals fans are going to be thrilled with what they get out of Jack Flaherty this season. With Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Coming up here in just about 15 minutes or so, we'll talk a little bit more about the Blues trade deadline plans. How much do the next two games play into Doug Armstrong's decision-making? Coming up next, though, Tom Herr, Cardinals Hall of Famer, 1982 World Series champion. He has been to plenty of these Cardinals home openers. What is this experience like for a Red Jacket member? We'll ask Tom Herr coming up next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. <laughs> With Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Happy Cardinals home opener to each and every one of you here in St. Louis. Right now we are celebrating the occasion via the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line with a Cardinals Hall of Famer and a World Series champion. He is Tom Herr joining us here on 101 ESPN. Tom, first of all, thank you so much for hopping on with us today. How are you doing?
10: I'm doing great
3: uh happy to be on with you guys and uh go cards home opener very happy to have you on and a happy home opener to you as well tom i'm curious you know when you look back on your career here in st louis and the home openers that you were able to experience i heard Ozzie smith talk about the 1985 home opener when he hit the homer for a lot of Cardinals fans that's one of their favorite opening day memories do you have a favorite opening day memory here in st. Louis
5: uh, boy no no one's ever asked me that uh, not really you know I I don't uh, I don't really remember doing anything uh, extraordinary or special on on opening day you know I was always uh, you know Opening day was always a real nervous day, for uh, at least for me personally, because, you know, there's always a lot of trepidation, anxiety, whether you're going to get off to a good start so forth. But, uh, you know, I never really uh, – you know, I can't think of anything specific that I remember doing that was all too great on opening day.
4: Well, there's been plenty of them for you, so I'm sure. But, Tom, from a player perspective and now as from a Cardinals Hall of Famer perspective – what's that atmosphere like when you know that all of St. Louis is there at Bush stadium, they're celebrating in the city of St. Louis major league baseball is paying close attention. What's that atmosphere like for a player?
5: Well, I think from a player's perspective, um, you kind of just want to get opening day out of the way. Uh, you know, baseball players are very, uh, very ritualed, uh, you know, routine, setting their routines and so forth, and and opening all that. You know, you got to be in the dugout. you got to be here. you got to be there. And, uh, you know, gets you out of your normal routine. So I I think a lot of players just want to get it over with and then kind of get into the daily routine that you're used to uh, over the course of 162 games.
3: Tom, I'm curious because now that you are a member of the Cardinals Hall of Fame, of course, this year is a little bit different given the, the pandemic and everything, but are you, what are you most looking forward to about in the future being a part of these ceremonies? What What is that going to be like for you as now a member officially of this Cardinals Hall of Fame? Well, it's going to be very special, obviously, you know, I'll be able to uh,
5: you know, be part of a lot of uh, different uh, events that happen at the at the stadium opening opening days and and uh, hopefully uh, playoff events and that and that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, it, it'll be very special to be uh, part of that that red jacket group that uh, is invited to all this stuff. And uh, you know, it'll keep me plugged into this, to the St. Louis baseball scene, which is great. You know, living in Pennsylvania, I don't get a lot of uh, you know daily uh, St. Louis uh, chatter unless I look for it. You know, well, we're up here in Phillies country, so we hear a lot about the Phillies, but not so much about the Cardinals. So uh, it's going to be it's going to be really cool for me to uh, you know to be part of that fraternity that's uh, always involved in and uh, the special events that happened surrounding
4: the Cardinals. Well, it's been a tough year for that fraternity too, Tom, this past year, of course, losing two, uh, two very important members in Lou Brock and Bob Gibson. You know, I'm curious what this year will be like without those two and the impact that those two had on your career in St. Louis.
5: Yeah, it's uh, it, it was just a brutal year as far as uh, – you know, not only for the Cardinals but you know a lot of great baseball people uh, passed away in the past year including Lou and, and uh, Bob Gibson you had Joe Morgan al Kaline Tom Siever uh, just uh, I'm sure I'm missing a, a couple there you know it's been a tough year for baseball players and uh, you know you lose uh, you lose a friend like Lou you know when I first came up Lou was still uh, you know he was still around, and uh, you know my major league debut was on the night that Lou got his uh, 3,000th hit. So that was uh, that was a special night for me to be a part of. And of course, you know uh, Gibby was uh, you know he was retired by the time I came up, but you know just just having him around the clubhouse and involved in uh, in Cardinal events. Uh, you know, got to know him over the years and, and became uh, very respectful of his, uh, his prowess and, and legacy as a Cardinal. So, you know, it's tough. And then, of course, recently we lost Ken Reitz. And that was uh, Ken was a teammate of mine and, and a good friend. So that, that was another tough one to, to swallow.
3: We're talking to Tom Herr, Cardinals Hall of Famer and World Series champion. He's joining us here on 101 ESPN. Tom, I wanted to ask you about your uh, induction into the Cardinals Hall of Fame last year. What, what was it like when you got that call? Kind of take us into the room with you, if you don't mind. Who, who gave you that call? How did you find out that you were going to officially be inducted into the Cardinals Hall of Fame? And what was that moment like for you when you got word about it?
5: Well, I was actually at my parents' home. I, it was a Sunday afternoon. I got a uh, I got a phone call. This was probably a week or so after the voting ended, and uh, I had noticed on my phone I, had, I was getting these calls from a uh, a company in St. Louis, a DeWitt company, and I, I didn't I didn't recognize it. So I, you know, I wasn't accepting the calls. I was just kind of, uh, you know. Deleting the calls and so forth, and then then on a Sunday afternoon, uh, a day or two later, I I got a call from Larry State, who works with the Cardinal alumni, and he said, "Hey Tom, Mr. Dewitt's trying to get a hold of you." So, and then and then it kind of rang the bell. With i I'd been denying these calls, so uh, he called me a few minutes later and. Uh, he was calling from Cincinnati and, and gave me the great news that I was elected in. So it was a neat moment for me because I was I was there at my parents' house, so I got to share it with them, and of course my wife Kim was with me, and uh, we were very excited and um, you know just very thankful for uh, all the fans that voted for uh, for me and you know it was a weird year because of the pandemic so all the all the voting was done online and and uh you know it was it was different but uh so now uh, of course then the induction ceremony was canceled last uh, last august because of the pandemic so they've they've uh rescheduled it for this year uh so this august will be uh will be officially inducted and uh, get the red jackets and everything, so that'll be
4: cool. Tom, what, what's it going to mean to you to go in with with a teammate of yours, John Tudor, who was also voted in? I know a, a man that uh, was very loved here in St. Louis, and I'm sure loved by you as well.
5: Yeah, John was a good buddy. You know, uh, we we had, uh, there were three or four of us that played cards on, uh, on the flights, and John and I were part of that, along with uh, Ricky Horton and uh, uh, Ken Daley was in that group. So you know, I I was tight with John. We uh, he was a great teammate. You know, very uh, very serious guy. Very uh, you know prepared. You know, he was uh, very meticulous in his uh, preparation, and he was uh, a fierce competitor. And a uh, real cerebral pitcher had great stuff great change up and uh, you know he created angles uh, you know thrown from the left hand side that you know he could drop down on lefties and and kind of uh, you know get in he had a real knack to get in inside on right handers uh, without having overpowering velocity and you know, he's just real smart, you know, a great pitcher. We, it was easy to play defense behind him because he had pinpoint control, and um, I, was, I was very, very happy for John that, uh, that he got elected in. I knew he was close the year before. Uh, he and Keith, had, you know, were both close to uh, getting elected in the year before, so uh, it, was, it was a great honor for, for John to, to make it in this year.
3: Well, Tom, we are thrilled for you, and we can't wait for that ceremony later this year to officially get you that red jacket. All the best, Tom. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today and helping us celebrate what is a a holiday here in St. Louis for the home opener.
5: Yeah, it's a great day. Hopefully the Cardinals will uh, stay hot and bring home a win here
3: on opening day, and and it was great being on with you guys. Absolutely. Thanks, Tom. Thank you so much. That is Tom Herr new cardinals hall of famer 1982 world series champion former cardinals all-star second baseman alex one of the things i mean th- this is going to be an awesome occasion today and i'm i'm, I'm thrilled that i mean we're, we're out here at ballpark village and you can already see it's they're starting to be more and more fans that are filtering their way through and it's going to be an, a, a great day out at bush stadium as well the one thing that I do wish is that for guys like Tom Hur, who are newly inducted into the Cardinals Hall of Fame, I wish he could be here. I yeah. wish some of the other guys that are out of town, they could be here, but we're doing our best with what is available right now i know they've got a a decent number of cardinals hall of famers that are either driving in or that live in the area and they'll certainly be able to make it out here for the game today so we're we're doing our best with what we can but it's (laughs) i'm I'm still excited even more so for next year's opener when you you will hopefully be a hundred percent back to normal and it will be the first time that we've really had the Cardinals opening day ceremony. The
4: cool part about that Cardinals Hall of Fame ceremony that'll take place, which if I'm not mistaken, it takes place in August, is hopefully things will look a little bit different come that time. You know, like I don't expect it to be a full stadium or back to normal, but if things continue to trend in the right direction, come August, Tom Herr and John Tudor and whomever is going to get picked for this next class will get a proper celebration with that Hall of Fame ceremony rather than what they missed out on last year. Absolutely. With Alex
3: Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. We are broadcasting live from the Beer Garden at Ballpark Village for the Cardinals' home opener. All of our coverage today is brought to you by Budweiser and Green Envy Lawn Care. Coming up here in just about 15 minutes or so, very excited to be joined by Benji Molina. Yachty back behind the dish once again tonight. You've got him and Adam Wainwright. It feels like that is a St. Louis tradition as well. But coming up next... How do the next two games impact the Blues' decisions at the trade deadline? We'll talk about it with, on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario
1: podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario.
3: For me, if, if I'm handicapping what's going to happen on Monday – I, I I would expect that uh, Doug Armstrong to be somewhat active in, in making some adjustments to a team that he doesn't feel has performed the way it should this year. With Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. That was Chris Kerber, the voice of the Blues, on with us yesterday talking about what he expects the Blues to do at the trade deadline. And Alex, I think we all expect something. To happen at the deadline. Now, what does that mean exactly? Who knows? There's a million different routes that this thing could go. I think the first place that I would look at is Mike Hoffman, who was another, once again, second time I think in the last five games. Mike Hoffman was once again a healthy scratch for the Blues. It seems to indicate to me that there's something there. So that is something that I am willing to read into. That being said, this team does have two games remaining until the trade deadline on Monday afternoon. How much do you think the outcomes of these two games, the performances in these two games, will play into what Doug Armstrong decides to do
4: on Monday? I think they absolutely play into what he decides to do because uh, look at the scenario here, BK. So this team has struggled to score goals. They get three goals last night, which is much better than the eight that they had scored in the seven-game losing streak, but... We would agree that still would like to see a little bit more offense from guys like Schwartz and Shen and Robert Thomas and Jordan Kyrou. Kyrou was playing on the fourth line last night, which is kind of indicative of, of what's been going on with him. So if this team goes out in the next two games and only scores a total of three goals, well, then Doug Armstrong's thinking we need offense. But if this team goes out there and performs like they did last night where they get three goals, they're they're creating offensive opportunities. Had another game where they shot over 30 on net, but they're allowing 51-shot attempts from the other side, then in my opinion, you're going to have to go out there and get somebody who can help defend. Either way, I don't see him making a big-time splash. Like the Islanders yesterday acquired Kyle Palmieri, who was on – the list that we talked about before and Travis Zajac two guys from the New Jersey Devils for a first round pick I don't see the Blues being in that market I see the Blues if they're going for a forward which I don't think they will it'll be a depth piece and if they're going for a defenseman it's going to be a big body who can play on the second or third pairing that's at least my opinion where they go but I think that is all dictated from what takes place tomorrow and Saturday against Minnesota. I'll be really interested to see what they
3: can get for Mike Hoffman, because the thing that the Blues might run into here is Taylor Hall is basically better version Mike Hoffman. Oh, yeah. And Taylor Hall is imminently available to everybody in the league. And so if you've got, One guy that is a known productive goal scorer on the market, it was exclusively Mike Hoffman. They might be able to get something more than we expected, but it's all about supply versus demand, right? We know this, that's how the market works. And in this scenario, there's more supply maybe even than there is uh, the demand for those types of players. So I'll be interested if they end up indeed making him available, what they're able to get for Mike Hoffman. And then secondarily off of that, I'm really curious to see if maybe they flip that asset for something else, or if they use that asset later on next summer or something like that. Right. Cause it's not just an a versus a B it's, it doesn't have to be trade Mike Hoffman. Now bring in another forward to take his spot. Maybe Sammy blaze, his replacement. It's not one for one. It's very different skill sets of course, but you can make an argument. Sammy Blaise's skill set fits better with what this team needs right now. They need a little bit of that physicality. They need somebody that's going to win some board battles. So, I'll be interested to see what they do with Hoffman, and then the big decisions to me come out come down to the other free, uh, pending free agents, and if they decide to add, and if they add, I'm with you. I think you got to look at the defensemen because as much as scoring has been an issue for this team this year, we know what the identity of the Blues needs to be when they're playing at their peak levels, and it's not winning games six to five or seven to six or anything like that, like we've been seeing at times this year. It's winning games like last night where you win 3-1, to one and it's really that last one that goes in that's the insurance goal more than anything.
4: Yeah, and if you go back and look at that 18-19 run, BK, this team wasn't setting the world on fire. In fact, I think they are about 19th in the National Hockey League in terms of goals scored. So, you know, they aren't the Tampa Bay Lightning that's putting up eight goals a game, and they weren't that way last year. So I don't expect them to look for players like that. The way I view Mike Hoffman is insurance for Doug Armstrong. Because if you're Doug Armstrong and you're headed to this market and you're thinking you need an offense, other teams want offense right now. We just saw Kyle Palmieri. He got back a first-round pick and a couple of prospects along with Travis Zajac. Tyler, Taylor Hall is going to be the next commodity. But after right. him, there's no, there's no other 30-goal scorers on the market. So Mike Hoffman could warrant you something if a team gets desperate. Or Mike Hoffman could also be the piece for you that you throw back into the lineup. So for me, the the piece that they desperately need, not desperately, that's pretty aggressive. The team that they need or the player that they need is another Colton Pareko, another Marco Scandella. It's, it's a really hard thing to ask for. <laughs> yeah. But they need another guy who has length with his stick use in his own end, like a Jay a Joel Edmondson, and Alex Petrangelo. And they need a guy who's got a little bit of a nasty side to whom who is not a thr- afraid to throw the check. What did we see last night, BK, in front of the Blues net? There was a lot of extracurriculars. You need a guy who can handle that like Vince Dunn handled it, like Marco Scandella handled it. That's what I think this team really needs, but it's just a matter of what's on the market and what's available to you because I don't see Schwartz getting moved. I see him being here long-term, and I don't see Vince Dunn getting moved. I see him being here at least through the end of this season and then them deciding what they want to do. I leave Zach Sanford, and I don't know if Zach Sanford warrants you anything that's going to make you better this season because Sanford knows the system.
3: Yeah, I, I think Sanford probably ends up sticking around, but I – the guy that I keep coming back to, if they're gonna make a move, it's got to be Mike Hoffman, and I've been banging that drum for a while now. I felt like I it came to a crescendo last night. First with the,
4: it's really interesting that they decided to healthy scratch him again because I didn't think he had a horrible game the game prior. It's just Sammy Blay provided that team something that Hoffman didn't, and it was the six hitch which which led the Blues in hits in that game. That's what Blay does, and that's what Baruby needs. And first, it was the healthy scratch, but maybe even more so, it was the explanation
3: from Craig Baruby after the game on why he was a healthy scratch.
5: Well, I mean, I, it's just I made a decision to put Sammy Blay in, and I made a decision to take Hoffman out. That's it.
3: Sometimes you get a pure explanation, a well-thought-out, reasoned explanation from Craig Berube on certain things. You can read into what he says sometimes at a press conference. Yeah. I think you can read into that answer. I think it's okay to say to yourself, wow, that, that was different. Um, he wasn't saying I need more blank or blank uh, from Mike Hoffman. Made a decision Mike Hoffman was going to be a healthy scratch. Do you think we see him in the next two games? Because I, if I had to make a prediction, I would say no.
4: Yeah, it's hard for me to believe that he would be playing in the next two games because – Again, you're reading into it, which I think we can read into it, but a healthy scratch around the trade deadline is usually he's in conversations. I mean, look, Taylor Hall is the exact same with Buffalo. Now, we all knew he was going to be traded, but Mike Hoffman's an unrestricted free agent. So, yeah, I don't expect to see Mike Hoffman these next two games. One, because they just won him. Craig Berube is patented for I'm not changing the lineup when I win a game, so I don't expect to see him tomorrow. But come Saturday, I don't expect to see him either because I think Doug Armstrong's keeping his phone on for these guys that are playing, and Mike Hoffman's going to be the name that's at the top of that list. I also just think, I i don't think Sammy Blay is a better player than Mike Hoffman.
3: Like, if both were made available on the open market... You're Mike taking Hoffman's, Mike Hoffman ten times out of yeah, ten. Yeah, Mike Hoffman's gonna get paid more, he's going to demand more in a trade, all of those things. He's a he's a better hockey player than Sammy Blay, but not in the blues system. I think Sammy Blay is better for what the blues need no. right now.
4: Well, and frankly, he's a swing player for Doug Armstrong. And I don't blame him if even if they're not looking to to, to trade Mike Hoffman. And they're just saying we need to find out what Sammy Blay is because Let's be honest, BK, Sammy Blay, Zach Sanford, Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo, these guys had the chance to be a top nine forward for the Blues, and they've taken it at times, but they haven't taken it for a full season. Granted, injuries have destroyed this team. But these are swing players for the Blues because these are the depth players that you need for a championship team. And if they're not going to be that, well, then Doug Armstrong has more decisions to make.
3: With Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. We're live broadcasting from the Beer Garden at Ballpark Village for the Cardinals home opener. All of our coverage today is brought to you by Budweiser and Green Envy Lawn Care. Coming up next, Benji Molina is going to join the show to talk about his brother, Yachty Molina, Starting, I think it's his 75th opening day for the Cardinals. We'll talk to Benji Molina coming up next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario.
1: And Molina hits it out to deep. the seventh two nothing cardinals molina's first of 2021
0: and what a time to get it
4: yadier molina doing yadier molina things for the cardinals welcome back into bk and ferrario as it is opening day here in downtown st louis And honestly, we can't celebrate opening day here in St. Louis without the Cardinal Spanish broadcaster, the former World Series champion, and of course, the brother of Yadier Molina, Benji Molina. Benji, it is great to talk with you, my friend. How are you today? I'm assuming you are ecstatic because it's opening day.
6: (laughs) Thank you guys for having me in your show. Uh, You guys are very kind. Every time I come here, you guys make it so pleasant, man. So, no, I'm really excited. I can wait for the game to start for real. Um, I cannot even say it in words. I think uh, opening day here in St. Louis is probably the best one in baseball. So I'm really, really excited, guys.
4: Well, we are too, and we had to have you on because you and Polo Asensio do an incredible job with the Spanish broadcast. And, of course, people love hearing from Benji Molina so Benji let's start with your brother I believe this is uh opening day number 17 for him in his career in St. Louis I know there was a lot of uh questions if he was going to come back this offseason and re-sign with the Cardinals it was only right that he was back wearing a Cardinals jersey and and appearing in his 17th opening day right
6: I think it was just it was just right you know like you just mentioned I think it's just it couldn't happen We, we we kept we kept praying, we kept, we kept crossing our fingers We're like, man, this guy has to be back, you know, And uh, in Cardinal uniform. We don't want to see him uh, in another uniform ever again, and bueno, Wayne know the same way. So very, very, very excited to have them back. It was pretty scary at some point there. We didn't know what was going to happen, but, hey, man, just to have these guys back. And, and what you just mentioned about, yeah, all those years to do opening day, I mean, look it up. Look who else have done it. It's just amazing what he has done.
3: Benji, I looked this up the other day. This is the 276th regular season start for Waino and Yachty as a combination between the two. 276 times. That is the most in Cardinals history. It is the sixth most between any pitcher and catcher combination in the modern era. You mentioned how happy you are to see both Yachty and Waino back this year. Uh, what's it going to be like for you to be able to watch those two all season long? Of course, but in particular today with the home opener.
6: You know what? I tell you the truth, it's going to be amazing. But not only for me. Just don't don't think about just for me, because of my brother. Of course, you know I, I, I love Yadi and I love what he's doing and he's my favorite and everything. But it's just for everybody for the fans. Just the the fact that we're going to have some fan in. Fans in, and, and they're gonna be happy to see these two guys. I Man, imagine if we couldn't have fans and these guys in the last year or something like that. I mean, it would be devastating. So, I really believe that uh, it's gonna be awesome for me, but I think it's gonna be really awesome for uh, for many, many people in St. Louis and the Cardinal Nations everywhere.
4: Benji, you've played for other teams in Major League Baseball, and you've seen opening days for other teams in Major League Baseball, whether being a part of that team or an opponent against that team. What is it about the way that St. Louis does opening day that sets them apart from the rest?
6: Um, I think their history has to be it. I think their history about it. Uh, they, St. Louis have so much history have uh, they go so way back, and, and, and they're really good. 11 championships behind the Yankees. I think it's, uh, it says a lot. So uh, the way they do things, the way they, they, uh, they get the fans involved with the, with the old school players, the videos, the horses, um, the entry, how they enter the, in cars and pickups or whatever, however that day they decide. Um, I think it's just truly, truly an amazing feat what they do here in opening day. It should be a holiday, too, by the way.
3: It it should, um, especially given what we're seeing in the scene. We're over at Ballpark Village right now, and it's already starting to get a little bit more crowded. You're starting to see more and more fans coming down here as things get closer to the opening day festivities. Benji, I wanted to ask you about Yachty's play so far this season because it's it's remarkable, man. Your brother just keeps doing it. He looks outstanding, not just behind the plate, but you hear the pitchers saying how he's guiding them through the games the way that he always has. That's no surprise, but he's showing power. He's been productive at the plate. I mean, how is this guy still doing it, Benji?
6: You know what? I don't. I I always say, I don't know how you guys um, doubt it. I really don't, don't understand how you guys doubt this guy, man, already. I mean, this guy, for real, uh, has been productive for so many years, and people want to, to doubt him just because of his, his age. They don't know him, man. They don't know him. They don't know how hard he works. They don't know how much time he puts into his body, how dedicated he is to being shape And, and it's just crazy that people don't know. I mean, if you ask me, I knew this. I knew he was going to have a good beginning because of the way he trained, the way he uh, took care of himself. And guess what? He's going to be great all year, man, because he's just a veteran, man. He does it. It's It's just you can pencil that in because this guy takes care of himself. He knows what he's doing out there, man. And I hope and I pray that all this that I'm saying doesn't cost anything because we need to see him out there on the field, man.
3: Benji, take us behind the scenes. You mentioned people don't know how hard he works, and I know that you do. You've seen it up close and personal. What? Take us behind the scenes a little bit, if you could. What What does that training in the off season look like for Yachty as he prepares to play? As we know, he, he loves playing every game, trying to get as many of those 162 as he can.
6: I think he, I think people have seen him because he's been more open in all, uh, social media about his workouts and how he does it and how he gets in shape. Uh, trying to get more young guys and more little league guys and uh, whatever they are, uh, get back into the, the routine of working out. That's what I think he's doing. He's opening it up and saying, Hey, look, guys, I, um, I am, uh, I am this old. I'm playing in the, in the highest level and I'm producing so you guys can do it too. Uh, he works super hard. He wakes up every morning, try to run three miles a day. And then he goes to the gym, takes care of his body. He knows what he eats and stuff like that. So, you know, he just takes care of himself, man, and that's all he's doing.
4: Benji, be honest with me. Yachty's going to play until he's 55, isn't he? Oh. <laughs>
6: <laughs> I really believe so, man. You're asking me, I think he'll be 55 and he'll be on opening day. <laughs> well, same thing, man. That's crazy. But the way he takes care of himself, the only – the only person who's going to decide to go is going to be himself.
4: Yeah, without question. Well, Benji, I'm curious from your perspective of this team this season because, of course, a lot of excitement when Nolan Arenado was announced a part of this roster, and Dylan Carlson, Tyler O'Neill. You can go through the list. What's been your takeaway from this team so far?
6: I think they're very—they're uh, a team that never quits. They're a team that they're always all out. They're a team that even if they're behind, they're not quitting on the spot. They just keep fighting it. They're a team that has good bullpen. They're a team that has good pitching and starting. So they're a team that is very level in the lineup, up top to bottom. You know, they, they can do damage. They can do things. Uh, I have been really, really impressed with this uh, with this team. The fight they have, The the more they play, the more they get together, okay. they the more they feel like a family, you know? So uh, that's the chemistry that these guys are looking for, and this is just beginning, man. I think it's going to be a fun year for these kids.
3: Benji Molina, 2002 World Series champion, two-time Gold Glove catcher, and the Cardinals Spanish broadcaster joining us here on 101 ESPN for another couple of minutes. Benji, you mentioned the word fight, that this team has a lot of fight in it. And I wanted to go back to Saturday, uh, revisit the incident that took place in Cincinnati. I thought something that really stood out to me about all of that was Nolan Arenado immediately being in the mix with everything and showing the intensity that we've heard so much about. What's been your impression so far, Benji, of not just the player. We knew how great Nolan Arenado was on the baseball field but also the personality in the fire that we've seen so far from uh, Nolan Arenado.
6: I think you guys and we uh, as a team, we got a freaking superstar, man. This is not just your typical player. This is a freaking superstar. And one of the reasons why he is a superstar is because he cares about his teammates because he's always caring about everybody, because he cares about winning. He doesn't take anything. He doesn't take winning lightly. He doesn't want to lose. He hates losing. Uh, he's He's a guy who comes out there. He's another Yachty, man. That's what we got. That's what we got. And what I think from him is just nothing but superstar status. I mean, this is just the beginning, man. Think about it. It's only been a week with these guys together. Imagine when these guys were in, in July, when we are in August, and these guys had so many games together. They're going to be so tight together, man. They're going to be family, man. It's going to be fun to watch. I think Arenado is, is a superstar, and, and he's just showing everybody, hey, I came here to perform, and I came here to help out. And, I, and I'm, that's what I'm doing.
4: It's going to be a fun season, Benji. We appreciate you taking some time and hopping on with us this afternoon. We love you here in St. Louis, buddy. Have a great call today with Polo. Have a great call this season. And we look forward to talking with you again throughout the year.
6: You got it, buddy. You got it. Uh, Thank you for having me on your show, man. It's always a pleasure.
7: Awesome. Thank you so
3: much, Benji. That's Benji hey, Molina joining us here on 101 ESPN, the one and only 2002 World Series champion, two-time gold glove catcher, Yadier Molina, of course, his brother. I loved that last quote that he gave. What do the Cardinals have in Nolan Arenado? Quote, they've got a freaking superstar. He's another yadi end quote. I think in a lot of ways. He's spot on, man. He's right. And the Cardinals needed to find, and this is what we talked so much about over the last really five years, Alex. The Cardinals needed to find what their identity was going to be post-Yadier Molina, post-Adam Wainwright. And I think they've found it. Yadier Molina brings an intensity. He brings a fire and a passion to the field every time that he takes the field. That's tough to replicate. You don't see that really. You might see it on like five five to six different rosters in baseball in any given season. The Cardinals now have two of those guys on the roster. And moving forward, they're going to have one of those guys at least with Nolan Arenado out there. And I think that's a huge, huge thing that we should not overlook. It's not just the back of the baseball card numbers that Nolan Arenado brings. It's also who he is as a person and the competitor that he is that we should not overlook at all. And I can't wait, as Benji said, to see what they look
4: like in July, much less what they look like right now in mid-April. And I honestly think that those guys are going to rub off on some of these younger players. Like, I think these guys are going to rub off on a Dylan Carlson, are going to rub off on a Nolan Gorman when he gets here. You know, Jack Flaherty already has that fire. You have these guys that, that have that 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 that. The desperation when they're on the field and and that camaraderie when they're in the clubhouse. And I really think it's going to pay off for a team that was. They were desperately looking for an identity to follow up Yadier Molina, and they finally got it. He's
3: Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. We're broadcasting live from the Beer Garden at Ballpark Village for the Cardinals home opener. All of our coverage today is brought to you by Budweiser and green envy lawn care. Coming up here in about 30 minutes or so, our buddy Joey Vitale, the Blues analyst for 101 ESPN, will join us to talk about last night's big win for the Blues. Coming up next, though, let's dive into the junk drawer here on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Alex Ferrario I'm Brandon Kiley it is BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN we are broadcasting live from the beer garden at Ballpark Village for the Cardinals home opener brought to you by Budweiser and Green Envy Lawn Care let's dive into the junk drawer Tanner Hendrickson is back in the studio
4: what do you have for us today my friend
7: the beautiful 70 degree car shield studio with uh, sunshine and all of the lollipops yeah, but you don't
4: have the smells of hot dogs and nachos around you now
7: do you buddy you don't know what I've got here for lunch Guys, I still can't smell. That's depressing. <laughs> seems impossible.
3: I I had the vid in November, and I still can't smell very well.
4: <laughs> Sorry. It's okay, man. man. It's leaking an awful lot, though, I so I, I, come on now.
3: <laughs> uh, I think eventually my, my smell is going to come back, you but right real, now I'm having a tough time a, with it. Real quick before we uh,
7: get into the junk drawer, would you guys like to know the Cardinals' starting lineup? Please. We can't play the lineup game, though. Yeah, we, we, got no, will, lineup game. Will, we got yelled at. We can play lineup game. We got yelled at. I will just give oh, you yeah, the lineup. We, How's that it it sound? Our, our so, today's home opener, your starting lineup, Tommy Edmond, will lead off at second base. Batting second, first baseman, Matt Carpenter. Batting third. Wait, 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 wait. Whoa, whoa, wait, whoa. whoa, what? whoa, whoa. Oh, I can't hold on. Time on what that? did you say? Batting second at playing first base, number 13, Matt Carpenter.
4: Okay. Okay. We can't react because Jamie is standing next to us, but that is, we, I am not pleased with that answer, but finish, finish this, this lineup.
7: Batting third, third baseman Nolan Arenado. Batting fourth, shortstop Paul DeYoung. Fifth will be your catcher, Yadier Molina. Batting sixth will be the center fielder, Dylan Carlson. Batting seventh will be the right fielder, Justin Williams. Batting eighth, the left fielder, Tyler O'Neill, And batting ninth, Adam Wainwright.
4: So, so there's no... Isn't there an off date a while? Yes. Never mind. I got an update. I got an update. What? Paul Goldschmidt is being held out of today's starting lineup for precautionary reasons due to lower back tightness. That is from the Cardinals. Well, that's what you want to hear on opening day. Sorry. Sorry. Your, uh, this is actually Tanner's spaceman. fault. This is Tanner's fault that's for my bringing fault.
3: this up. You shouldn't have brought it up. On the plus side, we have no issue of... We have no history... Th- very recently with back issues here in St. Louis. So I'm sure everything's going to go swimmingly.
7: It'll well, to The
4: guy who had back issues returned, and he's looked great.
7: Alright, so Got you ready to good. open up the junk drawer?
4: Oh, yeah, sure. Thanks, Tanner. We're all excited now.
7: <laughs> Alright, cool. Uh, so the, for my junk drawer today, so we talk about some world records we can do, and or we think we can do, like Drinking Capri Sun as fast no, no, as we no, possibly no, no, no. can.
3: Nothing successfully did so. Last oh, time yeah, that I, I was here, I broke a world record. Thank you very much. Do Me we too. have the plaque yet? Uh, we we don't. They they no. rejected no, my no, application. And the current mm-hmm. world
4: record holder emailed us and told us that you are the rightful owner of this world record. Now. I think he told us cease and desist, but oh, similar, okay. <laughs> same thing, same thing. But so I've gotten a lot of those in my day.
7: I saw this last night. The woman with the world's largest nails cut them after growing them for nearly. 30 years. Guys, her nails measured 24 feet long. Okay, That's what insane. nails are we talking? Fingernails. Are we talking finger? Okay, good. I was going to say because otherwise. She said her fingernails were 24 feet long? They were 24 feet and 0.7 inches long before she had them cut. And when they cut them, I don't know what this tool is, but it's it's like a it almost looks like a saw. It's it's a little hand there's a little and then there's twenty-four
3: feet.
4: She probably that you have to cut. She probably doesn't own scissors, she just uses her fingernails. Yes. What do you think those would smell like? Not good. Because not great in the words of John Not (laughs) Not Great at all. Because like sooner or later when they start growing, they're gonna get, you know. Filth underneath them. You can't clean them that well. I am, if you're here's the thing. I'm actually disappointed in this woman. Now I don't know.
3: Maybe there was a medical reason. Maybe there was a charity reason. I don't know why medical she decided to cut, to cut her
4: to, Why did yeah, she you know, decide to, reason to reason cut them, them oh, at this point? Um, but, there was a medical reason. I can guarantee you that.
3: If you've been growing out your fingernails for thirty years, I feel like you're committed to the bit at that point. Like you got to go full bore. We right. might as well just but, see where this goes. But you've accomplished what you wanted to accomplish. No one will ever accomplish that now. I don't know. Maybe somebody goes 35 years next time around, wow. and your You're your crazy. world record guys, falls short.
7: Guys, seeing her fingernails, I don't know how she walked around and didn't <laughs> break them. I think you should go for it, BK. 35 years. <laughs> yeah, no,
4: go, BK. start <laughs> right now. <laughs> See, i I know what is and is not my world record.
3: That ain't it.
4: <laughs> that, that, that That is not you'll, it for me. You'll stick to the Capri Suns? Yeah,
3: I'll stick with breaking the world record for opening and uh, consuming the fastest
4: Capri Sun Okay, ever. that's good enough. That, Aos, that's Capri Sun, same thing.
3: <laughs> with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. All right, J.B. Rivers is backed away. We can talk about what the Cardinals lineup is today. We'll discuss that and why Matt Carpenter is batting second next on 101 ESPN
1: the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and
2: Ferrario. I mean, I can't rule it out. I cannot rule it out from this. You know, we are committed to make sure we're giving guys opportunities, but we're also committed to winning baseball games. So, um, you know, Carp is in a good spot and does what he's capable of doing. And we can't ignore that for
3: sure. That was Mike Schilt talking about his guy, Matt Carpenter, yesterday after the game. Matt Carpenter, if you missed it a little bit ago, is playing first base today, batting second in the Cardinals lineup. Exactly where he
4: needs to be, and frankly, he should be hitting leadoff. Bang! He got it! Thank (laughs) you, T-Bone. Listen, I've got some questions. Now, the
3: first question is that we have answered now. Uh, Why is Paul Goldschmidt not in the opening day lineup? We now know, according to the Cardinals, Paul Goldschmidt is... It's a precautionary reason, apparently, according to them... Uh, he's got a little bit of back tightness today, so that's why he's not in the lineup today. So we've got that question answered. My secondary question would be, okay, so why not John Nagowski? Because John Nagowski has been excellent at every turn when he's given an opportunity in the lineup so far
4: this year. I would agree with that. Bang, he got it. Well, that's cute. (laughs) Come on, Tanner.
3: (laughs) I, I will say...
4: It, it did happen yesterday that he got hit in the hand with yep. a pitch. So maybe that – Well, Schilt said up on post-game that it, it, he said it would be fine. It looked like he just had some skin kind of taken off with the ball hitting him there. So if, if he is
3: unavailable today, that explains it. I need no further explanation. However, if this ends up being a situation where John Nagowski comes in the game late and fills in for Matt Carpenter as a defensive replacement or something like that, well, then I, I've got a really tough time understanding this move, to be honest with you. As much as I think Matt Carpenter has deserved to be in the lineup again today, my move would have been Carpenter at second and Edmund in right field. If you're going to play... Well, who's Ed- playing
4: first then? Nagowski? Or if he's unavailable? First?
3: That's the thing. If Nagowski's not available, all of this is moot and, okay, fine, I get what their move is here. This makes sense. He's the only other guy on the roster that can play first, so I, I've got no issues with that. But... If Nagowski is available today, he should be the one that is playing at first and, frankly, also the guy that is batting second. And then you go Edmund, Nagowski, Arenado, DeYoung, Yadi, Carlson, and then batting eighth in your lineup today. I would have Matt Carpenter playing second base. Now, That's the way that I would have gone about now, it.
4: Now, I haven't checked the the uh, the tweets from Zoom because uh, I know Mike Schill was meeting with the media um, to find out why Matt Carpenter is getting that start. And if I'm not mistaken, I think they like the splits with what Matt Carpenter has against the Milwaukee Brewers. Don't shoot me. I'm, the, I'm just the messenger. You might like the splits that Matt Carpenter provides against the Milwaukee Brewers. And, and again, don't shoot the messenger here. What if this is where you don't want to weaken your bench? Because you have to have some type of weapon off of that bench and if Nagowski is playing then your bench is Matt Carpenter, Edmundo Sosa, and Austin Dean? Play your best players period end of story play your best players
3: um and if if you're one of your best guys is Matt Carpenter okay play him a second and put Tommy Edmund in right field. That's what it's. That's what you've done the last couple of days. It's looked fine. Yeah, I wouldn't say it looks great, but it's been fine. Matt Carpenter has been giving you better at bats so far than Justin Williams. If you want to play, it is basically Carpenter versus Williams, more so than Carpenter versus Nagowski. You can have both of those guys in the lineup. So, if you want to get Carp out there, do it at second. Again, all of this comes down to the the, the the premise of Nagowski is able to play today. But if he is, this this is just a. It's a really puzzling decision to me, honestly. And like as much as they want to talk about Carpenter splits against the Brewers or against Corbin Burns in particular, he's three for nine in his career against Corbin Burns. That's that's nothing. That that is not a sample size that is large enough to get anything. This is the other one too, and it. I
4: didn't think of this, and I saw Derek Gould tweet it. Matt Carpenter will be starting before the news came out at second base for the home opener siding with the numbers matchup, which I mentioned, and Mike Schult calls it opening day. That's why that's why Matt Carpenter is playing at first base over John Nagowski. But I'm—it's opening day. I'm in agreement that he should be out there. He should be out
3: there at second. Your—the decision is basically Nagowski versus Justin Williams.
4: Well, then who's playing first
3: base? Nagowski. Nagowski's playing first. To, uh, you move Tommy Edmond to right field, and you have. Um, but Williams is playing today, isn't he? Correct. So, what I'm saying is, you don't put Justin Williams in the outfield. Justin Williams sits on the bench the way that he did the last couple of days. And maybe if you need him late innings, you put him out there for a pinch hit opportunity. And you've got Tommy Edmond in right, Matt Carpenter at second, John Nagowski at first. That gives you your best possible lineup. Justin Williams hasn't given you competitive at bats. Yeah, he had pretty good at
4: bats yesterday, though.
3: He's fine. It's the first time that he's put a ball in play, basically, since the. He had opening. two
4: hard hit balls, and one was in play. Okay. And a sliding catch. huh? John Nagowski has been the better hitter so far this year. I I truly would imagine that this is John Nagowski. Not that he's not capable of going, but maybe that that hand is not going to be able to last for nine innings. That would be my only assumption here because, yeah, I'm with you. That gives you your best lineup. Maybe they're going off of the defensive play from Justin Williams over Tommy Edman. Maybe you want Tommy Edmond at second base because of his defensive abilities. It doesn't make much sense, but if you're Mike Schilt, you're leaning with the lineup that this is at right now because of the veteran and the defensive awareness.
3: Yeah, it, it's just it, – it's puzzling to me. And, again, it all comes down to whether or not Nagowski is going to be able to play today. That's the biggest question that we just don't have an answer on right now. And so we're doing this kind of blind and we're trying to analyze something that we don't have all of the information on. Right. Which, welcome to Sports Talk Radio. Boom. Um, but, I mean, this that's – If we operate under the assumption that Nagowski is available today, then I don't agree with this decision at all, and I think it's made even more puzzling by Carpenter batting second. I'm guessing that if I had to, again, guess what Mike Schilt would tell us, he would say, hey, I wanted everybody else to feel comfortable in their regular spots in the lineup, and then I'm just going to one-for-one replace Carpenter with, uh, or I'm going to replace Goldschmidt with Carpenter in the lineup batting second. Okay, I just, I think that's, kind of overstated I would rather have Carlson hop up bat second today in front of Nolan Arenado and bat Carpenter sixth instead of Carlson. Well,
4: let's see if it works because if it works then Mike Schilt knows better than we do. Yeah. Process does
3: not equal <laughs> results my friend. With Alex <laughs> Ferrario I'm <laughs> Brandon Kylie. <Kiley>. it is <laughs> 110 your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. One thing that is worth noting today as well and Tanner do you have it? Tyler O'Neill starting in left field as well right? Correct. He will be batting
7: 8th today in the lineup.
3: Okay, so Tyler O'Neal is batting 8th in the lineup today. I I do think it is time to potentially start looking at what Tyler O'Neill has done at the plate this year because he's still hitting the ball as hard as anybody in all of baseball. The, The exit velocity, all of that stuff, those more advanced numbers, that's all there. When he's making contact, it's been really good. The problem
4: is the making the contact part. You said that with a little smirk on your face. Well, he's been striking out 48% of the time. That's fine. That means 52% of the time he's making contact.
3: He has yet to draw a walk. Okay. He's swinging at 45% of the pitches that are not in the strike zone. So he's aggressive. That's fine. And he's swinging and missing 45%
4: of the time. He's aggressive at the plate. Overly so. That's fine. Don't you want someone to be aggressive rather than passive at the plate? Alex, I remember it was like the second week of the season last
3: year. And I came on the air, and I had all of these stats ready to go for Jamie Rivers. This is when it was ribs and BK. And I told Jamie, "Hey, I think Tyler O'Neill has figured it out. Yeah. Listen to all of these yeah. numbers. He's not striking out. He's walking. He's making contact." I had yeah. all of these numbers ready to go. Yep. It,
4: everything changed from like that day forward. Yep. And I feel like I, I feel like I'm you right now, and you're Jamie Rivers because. So, I was all in on that train. So here's the problem. This year, everything he started doing a year ago
3: is gone. It's as if it was like a the Men in Black flashy thing. He forgot everything that he learned, everything. And now he's just swinging at everything that is thrown his way, whether it's in the strike zone or seven feet out of it. He's got to get things back on track. And I, I think you still stick with him for the time being. Maybe you give him another week, maybe even two. But if this doesn't get corrected, The whole idea of Matt Carpenter becoming an everyday player, it's going to become very real because you're probably going to need somebody in the outfield to give you more production than what you've seen thus far from Tyler
4: O'Neill. Again, I stuck with this. He's an everyday player now because you have no other options in the outfield. When Harrison Bader and Lane Thomas are available... I don't think we're going to be seeing this. I think you're trying to get Matt Carpenter his at-bats. You're trying to get him going when you have the excuses to utilize that. When you have the, well, Harrison Bader's on the injured list and Lane Thomas wasn't ready to go and Justin Williams isn't hitting and neither is Austin Dean, Matt Carpenter's our only option. And I'm fine with that. That's that's where it's going to be until Harrison Bader. When Bader returns, I don't think you can use that, that excuse if you're Mike Schilt. I don't think you can stick with, well, he's hitting the balls really well. When you have Harrison Bader, who might not be doing the exact same thing as here, is Matt Carpenter, but he's a better defensive pl- player in the outfield than what Tommy Edmund would be.
3: Yeah, I, I think right now I'm fine with it. They need to continue to operate with that same runway that they've talked about all off season for Tyler O'Neill. But here in the not-too-distant future, if we don't see these results start coming around for Tyler O'Neill and the strikeout rate, right, the swinging miss, swing and miss stuff, if that continues going down this path, I think that's when you start seeing Matt Carpenter regularly at second base. I think you will start seeing Tommy Edmond in the outfield, and then maybe it will be time for uh, Lane Thomas to get his yeah. opportunity in left field over Tyler O'Neill. With Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, Joey Vitale. He's a native St. Louis, and I wonder if he has a favorite opening day memory. We'll ask Joey Vitale when he joins us next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario.
1: We're talking blues hockey. It's the Joey Vitale Report on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by The Electrical Connection. When you need quality electrical work for your home or business, visit electricalconnection.org.
3: with Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. We are live from the beer garden at Ballpark Village for the Cardinals home opener. All of our coverage today throughout the day on 101 ESPN is brought to you by Budweiser and Green Envy Lawn Care. Right now we're going out to the Brownie and Croup and celebrity line. Very happy to be joined by our Blues Analyst for 101 ESPN. He is Joey Vitale. Joe, how you doing today, man?
4: Good day. Joey, Joey what you we, doing? <laughs> we didn't hear that because Tanner apparently didn't pot you up.
7: My bad. Oh, I'm
10: potted now. I'm potted now. I'm yeah, potted. Yeah, I got now. it. I'm good here. We're good to go now. Thanks, Tanner. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> How you doing today, man? <laughs> I'm good, guys. Happy opening day. How, how's things downtown? Is it getting busy?
3: Uh, it is actually starting to starting to fill in a little bit with some Cardinals fans down here. We're getting closer and closer to the Opening Day festivities. Hey, let's start out with that Joey because I don't know if you've ever been asked this before, but I you know as as a native St. Louis in yourself, do you have a favorite Cardinals Opening Day memory?
10: That's a fantastic question, BK, and I'm really glad you asked it. You know what, I don't have one particularly, but what year did Ozzie Smith hit a dinger in Opening Day? Was it 1985?
3: 1985 yes sir
10: the year i was born so i'm gonna go with that one i didn't go to any other home opening days but the year i was born a month after i was born uh, of course uh, ozzy smith the greatest shortstop of all time hits the dinger and uh aside from that no no opening day question i did live next door to whitey herzog for the first 14 years of my life he's still over there off at sunset hills just a few few doors down from my mom and dad a terrific guy love hearing opening day stories from whitey he still goes fishing almost every day. He has a nice little uh, uh, little bass pro shop boat. He takes out almost every single morning. Love going to the lake with Whitey. Some good memories there for sure.
4: Joey, were you in attendance for that Ozzy Smith home run? I was not. No, I was. Uh, okay. I don't think I was. in No, I think I was. Uh, I think I was a zygote, or a uh,
10: no. I was still <laughs> something. I was still something in my, my mom's belly.
4: That's good enough. That's good enough. Well, Joe, uh, let's talk about what we saw last night. You and I did post game, and we talked about Jordan Bennington. Uh, he showed everybody in St. Louis, and frankly, everyone in the National Hockey League, that that swag came back, didn't he?
10: Yeah, it was a great game for him, absolutely. And you know, it's a good bounce back one. Fifty saves, I think, is going to be his career high up to this point. Uh, he was a player that we talked about last night on the post game, Alex. That. He needed to be big because for this train to turn around, it's not going to happen overnight. You know, you, you see a team that's kind of in, in the drought that the blues were in in order to get back on the right track. It's going to take games. It may even take weeks for, for players and systems to kind of start unfolding the right way, chemistry between lines. So throughout that feeling out period of improvement, you got to have your best player be the goaltender because he's going to have to still save you in, in times he's going he's to also have to start stealing some games at times you look at that game last night. I think Vegas actually deserved to win that game. The blues played great. Don't get me wrong. It was great. First period, good spurts during the third as well. But overall the Vegas were coming really, really hard, but this is the old school Jordan Bennington that we came to love that we came to see sign a six year extension under Doug Armstrong a couple months ago because of this ability. He can go out there, he can steal a game and he can be the best player on the ice any given night.
3: Joey, I was also super impressed by what I saw last night from Vladimir Tarasenko, especially early on, and Jaden Schwartz. That to me, I, I thought that was his best game since he's returned from the injury. Is that the kind of performance that you feel like we can expect out of those guys moving forward? Now, I
10: mean, listen, not every game. You know, it's it's you like to say yes, but you can't put the expectation too high. This is a this is a sport where there's five other people in a goaltender out there trying to prevent you from doing exactly what Vladimir Teresinko did. And they're the best in the world also preventing him from what he did. Listen, he had a great night. I really enjoyed that line. I thought they had that old school chemistry back. They were working together. They were drop passing. They were connected. They were on a six foot rope in the offensive zone, which means that to me, it looked like they were in together in the sense that they were the battling together. If there was a loose puck, the other person's jumping on it. All those were good signs moving forward. But really it all comes down to, can they be consistent with that? Can they stick with that program? Can they stick with that speed through the neutral zone? Like we saw with Vladimir Teresinko before he scored that goal when he's at his best, I've always said it, he's at his best when he's moving his feet. Yes. The, the goals are flashy and that one timer, uh, power play goal last week was sexy. Don't get me wrong, but Vladimir Tarasenko at his very best when he's chugging his legs, and he's moving up the ice and he's going north, just like he did on that goal there last night. And even aside from the goals, being in on the forecheck, creating separation, Creating open ice for Shannon Schwartz. They had a lot of great chances last night. It was a great start for them. It's going to be even a bigger challenge tomorrow night against the Minnesota Wild.
4: Joe, I don't know about you, but I think that line needs a nickname. What do you think? How about the Shrushenko line? The Shrushenko line. BK, get the on board with line. it because it's the nickname that works. sounds better when Joey says it. It does. Joey, <laughs> Joey sounds better when he does a lot of things. That's true. Joey. Sammy (laughs) Blay, Sammy Blay, he gets inserted into that top line with Ryan O'Reilly, Mike Hoffman, another healthy scratch, and we'll get into him in just a bit. But I'm curious your thoughts on Sammy Blay and what you thought his game looked like because he's been kind of that swing player this season that I think Craig Berube and Doug Armstrong were hoping to see top six, top nine style from him this year.
10: Yeah, interesting situation going into last night's game. You know, you have a player that was a healthy scratch for three games and not only back in the lineup, but inserted right to that top line. That hardly ever happens. I mean, a call up maybe. If you get a guy from the American Hockey League that's a goal scorer, you, every now and then you'll see him being put to the top line, but very rarely is everyone, anyone ever a healthy scratch and then put into a first line like Sammy Blay was last night. So I feel like a lot of lies were on him. I feel like a lot of, he knew that a lot of coaches and general managers, a lot of people around were watching him and how he was going to pre- perform in a top three role. There was Ryan O'Reilly. And David Perron. He did everything and then some more to me, Alex and BK, and it started with that first shift. He had a great hit right in front of the blues bench. To me, that's a sign that you're engaged. Coaches are always looking for signs to see if players are engaged or they're not engaged. Craig Brewery's always talked about when players are dropping their sticks, to me, they're not ready to play. That's a sign saying you're not ready to play. But a hit off the first shift right in front of the bench, to me, that's a sign you're engaged and you're ready to play. Sometimes you gotta get smacked, sometimes you gotta get punched in the nose kind of shocked that nervous system to kind of get going in the game. Sammy blade did that from the very, very, very beginning of that game there last night. And it continued to mount. It continued to build. His speed was good. He looked fresh. He looked like a player that was scratched for a couple of games because he had really good legs. Now, will he be able to continue that endurance? Can he continue to play with that speed? Because he was really pushing the Vegas golden ice defense and back. And of course you can't continue to talk anymore about Sammy blade without mentioning the terrific goal he scored playing a little give-and-go catch with David Prahn, do the neutral zone, steps right through the middle of the ice and puts it under the bar. Fabulous shot, elite goal scorer shot. He's got that ability. He's got the offensive upside with the physicality. He's got a lot of key to in him with being physical, being a grinder, but also can got those soft hands in and around the net. He can really bury some pucks. So could this be that top six forward that, that Doug Armstrong is going to look at you know, in the near future, come up to Monday, where maybe you don't need to go out there and get another four. If Sammy Blay over the next two games can continue to play the way he did last night.
3: We're talking to Joey Vitale, Blues Analyst for 101 ESPN here on BK and Ferrario. And Joey, I wanted to ask you about this time period. There's now two more games for the Blues, about three days until the trade deadline. What, you, what is this time period like for players, especially in a situation like the Blues where there is some uncertainty about what this is going to mean? Are guys going to get shipped off potentially? Are they going to bring somebody else in that is new? What's it like around this time in the NHL when you, you don't know really what the next few days may hold for you or maybe some of your favorite teammates?
10: In the beginning of your career, it's torture it just sucks, right? You don't sleep at night. You're always reading you know, Twitter or you're listening to social media. You're constantly in contact with your agent. Have you heard anything, uh, any moves on, on, on the horizon? What is so-and-so saying about me? At the beginning, it is. And then as you move into later in your career, I think the, the right word is probably numb. You become very numb to it where it doesn't really affect you as much. You know it's there, but you just kind of just kind of act like it's just not going to happen. And before I know it, it's over, and hopefully you're in the spot where you want to be. I've seen both sides of it as a player. I remember my fourth year in Pittsburgh. We had a great team. We were first place in the Eastern Conference all season long. I didn't think Ray Sherrill was going to do anything at the deadline. I was in Madison Square Garden getting ready for the game against the Rangers that night in April. I think it was March uh, back in 2013 or 14. And all of a sudden, we got a, a notice that we, we got Jerome McGinla. And then a couple hours later, we got U.C. Jokinen, then Douglas Murray, and then we ended up getting Brendan Morrow. We got four players at that deadline, and then before you know it, I was a healthy scratch the very next night. So it could be a very difficult situation for players a lot of times. And then on the flip side, you could be on a really bad team and not know really what's going on. I remember being in Arizona, and it was the Connor McDavid sweepstakes year where the last place team would probably have the best chance to get Connor McDavid or Jack Eichel. So basically it was a race to lose between – us, Buffalo and Edmonton at the deadline. Don Maloney was pretty much just firing off everyone. He got rid of everyone that year in Arizona. I remember thinking, oh my God, I didn't get traded. So I think that was a good thing. I was happy that I was still in Arizona, but then the mind starts going like, well, maybe he kept me here because I'm not that good. And that he wants to continue to lose. So then that's a whole nother set of mind games. Of course, it kind of <laughs> can play into you as well. So it's a lot of mind games at the beginning of your career. Again, it's very hard and frustrating. It has a lot of anxiety. But these veterans, a lot of the veterans we have on this team, the Schwartzes, the Bozaks, they've been around. They've seen this before. You kind of just show up. You become numb to it. You go out there. You do your best. You play your game and hope by Monday you land up in the spot you want to end, which is hopefully here in St. Louis.
4: Is it inspiring, Joe, for a group of guys who are kind of on the cusp of a playoff spot if Doug Armstrong goes out there and makes a move? Or, I mean, we saw it on the other side in eighteen nineteen, where they did make a move and the team was inspired by that. How does that go when you're a group of guys kind of in a spot like the Blues are in right now?
10: You know, they, they understand the business and they understand that Doug Armstrong's going to do what he has to do for this team. There's no hard feelings, right? If, if Doug Armstrong makes a let's just call it a marginal move come Monday, which I think he will. I don't think it's going to be a blockbuster splash by any stretch of the imagination. I, but I think something may happen. You know, Mike Hoffman's kind of the, the, the big, big one on the horizon, another healthy scratch last night. Are they sitting him out for something here in the near future? Possibly. But again, for Mike Hoffman, you're looking at maybe a third, fourth rounder, maybe a prospect, maybe a player. We'll, we'll have to see how this thing unfolds if they decide to do something like that. But at the end of the day, the players are going to look at each other on Tuesday morning Whoever's in that room or, you know, because of the the pandemic and because of the, the transfer and the quarantine, maybe a, a little bit later, which is another good point because you the, day, the deadline, the trade, and all the kind of players, you never know what's going to happen because of the actual seven-day delay or maybe 14 delay, depending on how everything's going. But players look around the room and they understand that this general manager put together a team that he feels is in a good position to still win. And I think that's what Doug Armstrong is intending to do. He understands that there's a window here. He understands that there's a lot of great players in this room. He understands the talent of this room. Look at last night's game. That is what Doug Armstrong put together. That is what he expected, and we as fans expected from day one of the season because they can be that good. They can play that tight as a team. They have individuals like Vladdy who can light the lamp. They have Jordan Biddington who can steal the game. That product on the ice last night is what they can be. Now, if they can continue to be that, they're going to make a really hard push with an added piece here or there from Doug Armstrong.
3: Joey last question for you my friend uh, last week I asked you for the vibe of the team you said they're feeling good he, he, listen I, I know that there are fans are gonna say there's no way they're feeling good in that in that locker room that things are going to be able to turn around well we saw that last night where are things at now Joey w- what's the vibe of this team like I said you got a trade deadline just around the corner you played a great game last night where are their heads at right now
10: what I will say is this uh, losing losing is contagious. And um, misery loves company, right? And it's the exact opposite for winning. Winning is contagious as well. And I'm telling you right now, for this Blues team, you win one big one against Vegas last night, and that's a start. You had a great job. You had a great game from your goaltender who went out there and made 50 saves. You played a very good hockey game and you won. Now it's going to continue to build. You watch tomorrow night. The execution, the small plays, the gray areas, those plays are going to start happening. Why? Because they, they found it a couple nights prior. And how it led to success, and again, it's contagious. And then players are going to start doing it more often. And then what happens is, on the bench, everyone starts holding themselves more accountable to it. And the leaders are going to start stepping up. And when Jordan Cairo chips the puck in, someone's going to stand up and say, "That's a good chip. Here we go, boys. Keep it simple. Here we go. You know, short, short and hard. Short and hard here. Get the shifts in. Thirty-five, forty. Get off. And then you start making noise. And then the vibe starts getting higher. And then maybe you win one more tomorrow night. And then you start getting really higher. And then Arizona loses again. And then all of a sudden, you're with one point away from recapturing. That spot, it takes, it literally just can turn on a dime as quickly as the Blues lost seven, they can go on a seven game run. It, it is very realistic, but it has to start somewhere. So, if you're asking me the vibe of this team, the vibes are very good. That was a very important win last night. I think it gave them a lot of believability. Beating Vegas on home ice last night is a lot different than beating the Anaheim Ducks in Anaheim, for example. That was a big one. You're going up against one of the monsters of this West Division, and you proved yourself, you proved your fans that you can go out there and you can beat a team that is in the best. And you're going to be playing a lot of the best teams here coming up. So to me, that is a great start
3: in the right direction. They're beating the best. We're always joined by the best. He is Joey Vitale, the Blues analyst for 101 ESPN. here him tomorrow night. Blues versus Wild, 7 o'clock right here on your home for the Blues, 101 ESPN. Joey, always appreciate it, my man. Enjoy yourself on opening day today. We'll talk with you again next week.
10: Thanks, McKay. Thanks, Alex. Go Birds.
3: Go Cardinals. That is Joey Vitale joining us here on 101. You just said go Royals.
2: I said go Cardinals.
3: I thought he said Royals.
4: I thought he said Royals too. Alex, I thought I heard you, Royals. T Bone, did you hear Royals I, or
9: Cardinals? I thought, I thought you I cannot bring
3: me down on Opening Day. You will not do it. Okay. You will not That's, do it. Just not say, here in just St. Say St. Louis. Just say the right team. That's all I'm saying.
4: With what Alex baseball Ferraro. teams in uh, Myrtle Beach?
3: I'm Brandon Kylie. It's VK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. We're broadcasting <laughs> live from the Beer Garden at Ballpark Village for the Cardinals home opener. We are presented by Budweiser and Green Envy Lawn Care. Coming up next, is this the last opportunity we're going to have to see Yachty and Ueno on opening day? As Lee Corso once said, not so fast, my friend. We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. With Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. We're broadcasting live from the beer garden at Ballpark Village for the Cardinals home opener, brought to you by Budweiser and Green Envy Lawn Care. We'll be out here until six o'clock. Fastlane coming up at two o'clock. They've got Michael Gersh to open up their show today, the Cardinals general manager. All right, today, Alex, is the 276th regular season start for Waino and Yachty that is the most by any duo catcher and pitcher in Cardinals history it is the sixth most in the modern era and Yachty today is catching his 17th opening day for the Cardinals here's my question for you is this the last time that we're going to see them do this or do you think that based on what we've seen so far and it's early of course do you think that it's possible they're back again next year
4: I think it's possible one of them is back next year. I don't know if Bueno comes back after this year because I know it's a lot more grueling on a pitcher than it would be a catcher. Although it's pretty grueling on a freaking catcher, but we all know the shape that Yadi. Everyone puts not himself named Yadi. Yeah, I mean this guy, as Benji told us earlier, is running three miles every morning and then going to probably doing like 500 pull-ups <laughs> before he goes even to the ballpark. But I don't see Yadi calling it a career after this year because of how successful he still continues to be. Wayno, even if I think he has a successful career, I think this might be that that kind of that that rally song for him. That's not the right word, is the it? Send off if you send will. Send-off, yeah. But but because this is the year he's got people in the stands. Last year probably could have been, but there was nobody here. So I think this year would be the send off for, for Adam Wainwright. But I, I don't I can't say that by a hundred percent certain because if Wayno goes out there and deals this year like he did last year. He could say, I'm coming back for one more year. I don't think this is going to be it for Yadi. I just don't no, get that feeling. definitely w- Watching him right
3: now, and we'll see. Maybe he looks a little different in August than he does right now. But the way that he looks right now, this is not a dude that's about to hang it up. And I know it can go quick for guys. You can, you can get to that cliff and then boom, it is down the cliff. It's over. Yeah. I don't sense that Yadi is approaching that cliff yet. Is he the same guy that he was 10 years ago? No.
4: But – He's a lot closer than I thought he was going to be. Dude's hitting 346, and I get we're only a week in, but like. That's pretty impressive for a guy who's, what, 40 years old, and he's still going out there, and he's performing to that level? He looks outstanding,
3: and he looks great again last night. The home run that put the Cardinals up. They, of course, get the grand slamming to be to be able to give them a few insurance runs, but it was Yadier Molina who put them up and eventually hit the game-winning run. So he, he's looked excellent. He's getting the start today. Adam Wainwright going to be on the mound for the Cardinals' home opener. I think this is probably going to be it for Wayno, if I had to guess, if I had to project now. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to be it for Yadier Molina. One guy who is going to be back in St. Louis today is Colton Wong. He met with the media earlier today to talk about, you know, what this is going to be like for him. He gave some thoughts on what it was like here in St. Louis, and in particular, what was it, what it was like to play in front of these St. Louis fans.
9: From day one,
0: you know, in 13, I got picked off when I first got to the big leagues, you know, and and. and For them to stick with me through that, uh, you know, just all the good messages I got from them and, you know, the transition they see me take from, you know, being a young kid and trying to figure out my game to, you know, where I am today. uh, You know, I think it's just a a pride thing for all of us. You know, it's just they got to see me kind of, you know, grow into the person that I am today. And, you know, I got a chance to really appreciate, you know, these fans and how much they love their players. So it was a good connection, man, and something that I'll always be, you know, super thankful for.
3: I'm really interested to see what it sounds like, what it looks like, what the scene is when Colton Wong walks up to the plate for the first time and he was asked about what that's going to be like for him playing in Bush Stadium for the first time as an opponent earlier today.
0: You know, I've just been trying to visualize just what it's going to be like. You know, obviously it's not full capacity, so it's not going to be as loud, but knowing these fans and playing for here for so long, I know they're going to make it super special. So, you know, I'm excited for that time and Ooh, I'm hoping I can hold it together. That's going to be tough, but, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I'm thankful at the end of the day.
4: What do you think that's going to be like? Uh, you know, we just got a taste of it by another player, Alex Petrangelo, in, at Enterprise Center the other night, and I, I wasn't there, I, and I was in our studios, and it felt like I was there, and that was 4,000 fans. There's, what, 20% here tonight at Bush, or today at Bush Stadium I think it's going to sound like it's a full ballpark for Colton Wong. And rightfully so. I mean, this is a guy who has given it his all since 2013. He's won gold gloves. He's been a part of teams that have gone deep into the playoffs. He's been part of teams that have missed the playoffs. But Colton Wong has done one thing, and he's given it every single day to St. Louis. And if I know Cardinals fans like I do – They respect the hell out of those guys, whether your name was Albert Pujols or your name was Brendan Ryan or your name was Pete Cosma. They respect the hell out of you, and they're going to give you that respect that you've earned.
3: Certainly, and I also think it helps that he didn't leave the Cardinals. The Cardinals decided not to pick up his option, and there's Mm -hmm. something to that, right, where it doesn't feel like you were left at the altar by a player where there's maybe some bad feel? No, it's not that, not that way at all with Colton Wong. The Cardinals decided not to bring him back. He didn't decide not to come back here. He would have loved to stay in St. Louis. He yeah. made this his home. I was reading about that yesterday. Um, he you know, he and his wife, it, it was everything, everything that they could do to keep themselves from crying as they decided to pack up their home here in St. Yeah. Louis and move. So it, it was a tough move for them. They have made that very well known, but I hope that they, he gets the um, – the ovation that he deserves whenever he steps to the plate, and I have no doubt the Cardinals fans will make sure that he gets. And
4: good that for and good for him too, and his wife. I think they're they're expecting his wife's pregnant, and, and I mean, this is a guy who, like, I mean, he was raised in St. Louis, and he would tell you that that he came here as a young kid and he made his way into the big leagues and, and turned himself into a gold glover. It's just an awesome, and I'm happy to see him back on the field today.
3: With Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It'll be a capacity of 14,500 in the stands today as Adam Wainwright takes the mound once again for Cardinals home opener. We'll cross things over with the fast lanes coming up next. This is the BK and Ferrario
1: podcast.
3: Now here's BK and
1: Ferrario. Time now for the crossover. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Close to home or close to work. For quality tires and expert auto service, you can always count on Dobbs.
3: With Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. If you missed anything from today's show, I thought it was a pretty good one myself. Fantastic. I'm sending it off for an Emmy today. You can check that out on the podcast page, 101ESPN.com, the free 101 ESPN app. It is always presented by I Promise. I think what you're looking for there is a Marconi with yeah. Jamie Rivers no, and Emmy. Anthony Stalter Emmy. now he's like, joining us. This,
4: this person over here has been videotaping us for the last three hours. We're going to send yeah, it for an because Emmy. because he saw you on America's Most Wanted. <laughs> <laughs> no, I shaved that mustache in the hospital once the baby was born, Jamie. Alex has, has the, the
2: leather jacket yeah. on, and oh, he there's knows. No, there's no collar. This gentleman over here, he's like, yeah, this guy – this kid should yeah. be in
4: jail
8: yeah, this yeah he's like there's something for sure about this my kid. orange yeah.
4: jumpsuits with my moped so it's i'll
8: put Kaiser that on so say right next to me it's yeah. great it's <laughs> walking normal today what <laughs> um guys
3: we were able jamie you were not down here for the ncaa tournament actually but yeah, Anthony, to go. you were yeah that Smart. was kind of for me the unofficial start to like feeling kind of normal ish right. again this feels even more so, especially in St. Louis, given how big it is uh, for opening day. Yeah, w- What's it like for you guys to get down here and kind of see the crowd?
2: Well, one, I always love this because it feels like a college football atmosphere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It does. I mean, uh, what, uh, we've all been to college football games before. Jamie, I know you, you've been to the big house. It Michigan. Make no, sure we specify. Yeah, the brig. Michigan. Ann Arbor's big house yeah you need my leather jacket no, walking up walking no. up to Michigan Stadium and there's just like a buzz <laughs> in the atmosphere that's what it's like walking up to Bush Stadium there's just kind of a buzz there's a there's a college feel to it and I and I've been to other opening days around you know the the uh, the the nation when it comes to baseball there's nothing like this I'm not pandering to the crowd I mean I've been a, a Wrigley Field opening day it's not like this I've been to you know the Tigers when the Tigers were World Series contenders and you know, coming off a World Series appearance, Comerica, it's not like this. I mean, it's fun, but th- there is a different vibe when you come to St. Louis on opening
4: day. Jamie, do you remember your first Cardinals game when you started playing hockey in St. Louis? Oh wow! Because you're a kid from Canada, like uh, yeah, I'm, you knew baseball, but not like Cardinals baseball. Yeah, I remember
8: coming to a couple of games, like '94, '95, but th- when I really became like into the Cardinals baseball scene was when Mark McGuire you sure. know, that was happening Mark McGuire was a hockey fan too came to a couple of games came down to the locker room hung out had a couple of cold ones and you know so all of a sudden at that point now you're like okay this is kind of cool yeah. and had a handful of us down for batting practice one day and so after that I was like I'm hooked I love this this is That's awesome. awesome. Jamie hit a few bombs out of yeah. Busch Stadium. Jamie like, showed this up. Mark is, McGuire. spot. I did hit a bomb over right field. I'm sure. You I did. mean, it was about two feet over the fence, but I tell people it was like 200 feet. <laughs> Bounced over. Bounced off one of the outfielders, it's shagging
4: the balls, head into the out. Hey, that's a home run. It was- it Jose barely- Canseco was up there, <laughs> and it went off
8: of his head. <laughs> it barely it got you. off the ground. It barely. That's how much. I didn't. I don't need uh, the uh launch, launch angle. angle. I don't need that. If you use yeah, a cork bat, Nelson Cruz. Yeah, the uh, little aluminum bat. No, I didn't. Stoltz. I know you guys.
2: Somebody already wants our vodka oh yeah no stealing it already that's unbelievable. All right. just
8: pay this gentleman over here and we're just fine
3: thank yeah. you we're so, collecting I, I know you guys have michael gersh coming up to uh lead off the show yes, today we do. what else do you guys have coming up today on the uh opening day version of the past
2: well fortunately we timed this out with with chief just right because we got him at 215 Oh god okay? i was
8: scared
3: so
2: coming off the big win last night thankfully we're not talking about eight straight losses we're talking about putting together a little winning streak
4: yeah, oh anthony, baby
8: i bleed blue anthony how about you yeah, hey, the same. Yeah. Never <laughs> wavered, right? Did he <laughs> bet on this team to make the playoffs? No, he didn't. He bet against me. Sounds but like that's okay. I like it. You that's know right. why? Because I got Jordan Bennington in my corner. Hey, you we're know coming.
2: what? Also had the under five and a half.
3: Nailed so we're all it. winning. Nailed we're all it. winning. This mm. is more than gambling for me, Anthony. And oh. the Cardinals are going to be winners today for Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson back in the studio. I'm Brandon Kiley. We'll be back tomorrow at 11. The Fast Lane's coming up next.
1: You've been listening to the BK and Ferrario Podcast, powered by I Promise. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners
3: or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways
6: you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today.